If you were watching closely, there was a clue. Got the million dollar check written already. I mean, I'm, I'm the winner. My wife and kids have definitely saved me from my demons. Last time I played like a cop, this time I'm playing like a criminal. I don't need to be carried. The girls are coming together and we're spinning the guys around as much as we can and then we're devouring them. I guess my nickname's Fabio. Each new day I get out here is a blessing because I was only supposed to get three. So I'm either gonna win or I'm gonna die trying. Welcome to The Winner's Edit, a Survivor storyline and editing podcast. I'm your host, Joe. Bonjour, I'm Dan. Ah, we oui. uh, Here we are on episode six of season 40, Survivor, Winners at War. Quick on the draw, a Jeremy Wait. Collins quote. Yeah, which I might say, like, was kind of awkward in that confessional. Like, I think that confessional overall was very good, but it was a really weird shoehorn in line that I wasn't sure what he's talking about that he was quick on the draw with. <laughs> like, does that mean, because he's talking about his safety without power advantage, was he talking about um, being quick on the draw to play it or to not use it? Or I was confused. Play it, I think. But he didn't play it. Yeah, but it was saying, there's this thing, like, shows do where it's like, hmm, are they or aren't they? And, this was meant to make you question that. <laughs> Are you saying this was the Ross and Rachel of Survivor episodes? Jeremy with oh. his uh, <laughs> safety without power advantage. Oh boy. Um, but yeah, he was kind of just all over with fun metaphors and stuff with the duck example and all. Yeah, sorts Jeremy of was on fire this episode. Like in terms of just quotable lines, I think he's he's swung and missed a few times this season. Like the. I'm going to get a beer full of knowledge to quench my <laughs> thirst for knowledge. But like this one, the duck, the quick on the draw, like all that stuff. I thought he was really, really on fire tonight. Yeah. I mean, you know what they say? You miss a hundred percent of the beers you don't drink. So <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Evidence by Jeremy Collins for sure. Uh, Overall, this was a weird episode. Yeah. I don't know. Joe flashback to a year, year ago today. If I had told you that in, Season 40, it would be all winners. One, two, in episode six, we would have both Edge of Extinction dominating the screen time and two boots in one hour in the pre-merge. Would you have believed me? Uh, no, that'd be pretty crazy. Luckily, I bet the world would be pretty normal in that scenario. So nothing to worry about. Yeah, if survivors this crazy, surely the world <laughs> must be encountering no problem. Right. Um, another thing I thought of randomly today is like, remember when we used to get like previously ons? It's <laughs> like, well, right? Jeff used to tell us what to care about from the last episode, and now I just have no direction. So, yeah, they like slowly killed it off, right? Like last mm -hmm. season, they did that really weird, like, during this episode, you're gonna see, yeah, which thank god just, they got rid of. That was the no, worst compromise. Well, I don't know if it's better because now it's just like a shot of the banner and then this, like. Sound every time. Although this time was like a little tonally different. So, well, last week wasn't it vocals? Um, I think so. Maybe. I, I don't know. know. They're really doing some weird stuff with that opening. You're right. Like weird siren sound. Well, I think part of it is they're just trying to get us into the action as quick as possible because they have to rush. <laughs> they have to get us everything we need to see in 44 minutes or their name isn't CBS. <laughs> Yeah, this episode, I think, we've been talking a lot about how this season's really on the rocks of, like, they're trying to cram in as much information as they can possibly give you in 44 minutes. Like, 
it is information overload in this hour they're given. This episode, I think, might be the worst offender in the history of Survivor. Literally, sure. they did. They were doing a lot of creative stuff. I'll give you that of how to accelerate the time. Like they had Tyson just narrate over Parvati getting the idol nullifier. Mm-hmm. Um, they had, uh, and it just like quickly cut to her and be like, "Oh, this is cool," and pop back <laughs> to literally a Tyson confessional. Like did not break at all. They had Sandra's idol token or fire tokens pop up in uh, a fancy effect so that you were drawn to that fact that she has none. They did a lot of stuff to make up screen time, but still, in past episodes, I've been in the opinion that overall it worked out. They stuck the landing despite having to kind of overwhelm you. This one was too much, I think. I think it was it was packing so much in. And then also I felt there were a lot of strange choices, like Yara's first scene being there. I guess where else do you put it, but... Um, Adam's post-challenge confessional, uh, the Tony like side story, <laughs> yeah. At, um, Decal, just like weird, cho- like Yule not being there, just weird choices that I don't know how to assess going forward. Yeah, this felt like a bottle episode. Like bottle episode being, if you're a TV viewer, the episode where the season's really long, they only have so much budget. So all of a sudden the characters just don't leave a room. Um, This is famous in like Breaking Bad. The fly is a good example of that, where they just don't leave and nothing really uh, significant happens. It was a little bit of a character study. This Mm -hmm. felt like that. Like it was just like they had to get all like it was like a uh, synopsis of an episode versus an episode. Yeah, but this bottle was like cracked and I don't want to put anything in it. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's to me. I thought this episode was good because. Like, the results were tragic, but the Sandra boot should have been front and center and, like, a really fun episode, but instead was just, like, so rushed to the point where I I kind of didn't expect anything other than what happened. Right. Maybe I didn't expect Denise to play two idols, but I did think, oh, this is such an obvious Sandra screwed up into Sandra boot that, like, it was kind of hard to get too invested. Yeah, and I, I wonder how much of that is us deeply analyzing each episode before this and Sandra set up for like her comeuppance. So this seemed like a very easy way for it to happen. Um, Especially given that like, it didn't really seem like Tony's time to go. It would have been bizarre if Kim had went, but uh, yeah. So that was weird. And I think you're right in that this should have been, if we would have had an ideal setup, we would have seen so much more of this sort of how things were playing out at DeCaul. Because it seemed intense. And also, I think Sully, too. Because uh, most times we've... Well, most times we'd have, like, a pre-immunity challenge scene where we can see some of this, like, um, Parvati getting her idol nullifier and maybe a Yule moment and just some more stuff playing out there. I guess I agree. Obviously, would have been better. But, like, I think one obvious problem with this episode... Yara getting all their content before, like, it literally went Yara immunity challenge, so you knew who was gonna win. At least I did. Mm -hmm. Like, there's 0% chance that the tribe that just got all the content goes to tribal, and if they do, the winner's so obviously there that they've done a disservice to the season. Because, like, if you you win, you don't get content after the episode, like, after the the challenge. I think the other way to look at it, though, is when Rob goes and now Rob and Amber are on the edge of extinction, we go to Yara first. And so that makes me look like we should be paying attention to that tribal whole bunch. 
Yes, I, I do agree with that for sure. And Granted, that could of, be deciding on like the pacing of the episode. Like they're right. That that's a I'm willing to think beyond that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Because that could just be they realize the pacing of the episode works better if they go, look, remind everybody Rob left and then show how he like show what he does when he gets there. Sure. The fact that we didn't see Rob and Amber reunite in any meeting is the problem. Yeah, I guess but, spoilers for later on, something is going to change. Yes. Yeah, overall, like this episode was weird because to me, I was like, okay, so I leave this episode being really high on Yara, and I don't know if I can hold the other tribes against it too much, mm-hmm. but I would have loved to see way more to call. Okay, Sele, sure. I'm sure Parvati was going home no matter what she did. She could have mm-hmm. promised the skies and the earth and the heavens and the earth, the ocean, whatever. I'm sure she was going anyway, but the call seemed way more interesting. To me, the real travesty is that I think we just witnessed maybe the worst play in Survivor history up there anyway. Mm-hmm. And we don't have an iconic episode to follow it, which is really, really sad to me. Like, we don't get to see how Sandra got lured into doing this. We don't get to see maybe... Like, I'm sure there was a conversation where Denise talks about how she has the two idol to- or fire tokens and how she's really in danger or the bond between Sandra and Denise or something like that. Like, there's more to this story that we didn't see that would have fleshed it out to be one of the greatest survivor moments in history. This had that upside. And instead, you just read like, oh, wait, Sandra left. Oh, OK, cool. Bye. Right. Right. I think even because I'm not so sure. I think what really happened to Sandra just overplayed her hand and gave Denise a really good tool to use. But I think there's a lot of other stuff going on on the call. Like this half finished, like Tony, like where does Tony stand? Where does Kim stand even? Because we sort of were set up to believe Kim was a swing vote. And instead she's like firmly in this majority. It's just lots of pieces there that didn't add up, especially from the last episode. For sure. And I think that's the thing is you could you could you could write a essay on all the things that were set up and not paid off here. Granted, honestly, I think we did a good job here being like somehow Sandra probably goes um, somehow we mistakenly thought that and I guess there's a correction that her idol expired next vote. So that's how we kind of mm-hmm. corralled ourselves into believing that. But I guess the reason is Sandra just makes a bizarre decision, like a very Right. Out there in wild decision. And you're right. I think especially this season, I noticed myself that I think this might be the most blatant they've ever been with music before. They really, when someone is doing something that they want the audience to think is bad, they play a sting sound, Mm -hmm. uh, like the vibra slap. And they really are hamming up the music this season more than they usually do, I think. Dodo music used to happen like three times a season and it's happened almost every episode. Hmm. So I think that's something that's very interesting because of how rushed it is. I think they're forced to use the music to like paint, for example, Wendell as very stupid. Last week, Sandra is very stupid. How do they do that? By playing really goofy music whenever they talk. Um, But yeah, like I would have loved to hear so much more about this to call tribal specifically because we didn't even see Denise offer how she had to like we know danny gave it to her obviously Mm -hmm. at what point did she tell sandra that right we didn't see that and then stuff like that like even denise saying like i'm pretending to be on board voting jeremy out i feel like there's more fleshed out content there that we just didn't get to see because this was a double boot Mm -hmm. 
For sure. Which is sad. I guess it's necessary because of Edge of Extinction. But I think that's a good argument against Edge of Extinction more than it is anything else. I mean, I don't I don't know if you have to convince me on that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, almost really, if it's a double boot, like I want to see an hour and a half or two hours. Like, yes. I don't know. I think it's just another case of either weird looking for something that survivor doesn't want to sort of pander to or survivor doesn't know the best ways to tell its stories or the yep. most captivating ways. Um, and they do the best with what they got, to be honest. Like, right. Right. So another yeah. like weird thing about this is, so we're doing this podcast all about trying to figure out the themes and stories. And then this season in this episode, Jeff asks the question twice right away at the start of Tribal Council. What is the theme of the season? And we get two different answers. And it's almost just like targeted right at us. Right. Are they referencing our podcast? (laughs) Like there's no other explanation for like when you're like, I'm watching Westworld right now. Right. And obviously Mm -hmm. there's so many themes in that series, such as like AI, the relationship of what it means to be a human being, the human condition. Never once in the three seasons of Westworld do they ever say like I to the camera, this is the theme of this series. Mm -hmm. Bizarre choice by Jeff to want to ask this question twice, two for them to air it uncut. Super bizarre, I thought. Right. And I, I mean, Westworld, obviously different. Scripted show. Um, it's sort of prestige. So it is wanting to be like, oh, can you figure it out? Are you a smart television viewer? But even Survivor, I don't think has been like this blatant. Because I think when you on this podcast have said every season Survivor has a theme, like I think it's not something that's necessarily obvious to everyone watching per se. Like you can see it if you look, but it's not something everyone might notice. But this time it was, Jeff was very much like, every season has a theme. And what is it? And so to get so meta, I suppose, is just another step forward for Survivor. To me, anyway, it read like, and you're right. I mean, on this podcast, the whole idea is that Survivor every season has radically different themes. A good example, I've been rewatching Survivor China. The premiere, if you go back and watch that, is all about how like traditional alpha males are bad. John John Robert gets buried by Todd. And it's like, Mm -hmm. look at this traditional guy who would do well in Survivor. They're not going to do well this time. That's like the whole theme of that season. They don't ever come out and say it. Right. Which is definitely the new thing. Um, To me, it really begs the question of, is this ironic? Because Mm -hmm. deep in my gut, like I was getting the irony radar bleeping hard they don't do this shows don't want you to know like the reason that themes exist the reason we do the story section on this podcast is that there's subtle ways to manipulate the viewer into believing certain behaviors are good or bad for your chances to win Mm -hmm. this episode was so blatant that it makes me almost question the opposite right they're not obvious ever that's why we have like right now looking at our list we have uh nine different like top level headings and then sub level headings trying to figure out what are the themes of this season and then in this episode they don't just like ask one tribe they ask two tribes they give different answers but then those tribes in some ways represent the other tribes answers and it's just this big mess of like survivor can't be this obvious right but Another thing we've learned is that Survivor often is just as obvious as you don't want to believe it is. So 
see, I agree, but then again, like last season or last season, Island of the Idols. I think we did a good job last season of being like, okay, there's clearly a really weird touching slash um like how problematic things interact with the real world in the game of survivor Mm -hmm. from really early on they didn't come out and say the theme of this season will be making you really uncomfortable to watch your television sure like that's a radical departure from what they've done in the past right um and you're right the weird thing to me is that not only did they explicitly say the theme like for example wendell this theme this season is about the theme of past relationships he said that last week he said this week multiple Mm -hmm. times right um and the person who left is the person who is most quote-unquote connected right poverty is the one with the most connection she leaves wendell wasn't really talking about how the people with the most connections go he's talking about how connections inform your decision making so the fact that michelle's there complicates his decision making he wasn't talking about that poverty knows everybody it kind of um usurps his idea Mm -hmm. and you could even stretch that to the other tribe where it wasn't threats versus threats per se but it was that sandra is in some ways the biggest threat very controversial but two-time winner is the one that is targeted when someone has all the power when a non-threat quotation marks has all the power so yeah it's talking more about how these themes inform decisions as opposed to their their verity on their own yeah and i actually think like the wendell one is one thing but i actually think the denise case study is the most interesting um because i think this episode positioned itself as an episode about threats versus non-threats mm-hmm. we had tony represent himself as the voice of the threats he wants to keep jeremy around he wants to keep sandra around why because there are threats threats to keep together and they even overtly mention um Michelle is a non-threat, Denise is a non-threat, and Nick is a non-threat, right? Right. Michelle and Denise, at this point, have both proved against their type. Mm-hmm. Michelle all season has shown to be a very capable survivor player. Denise, in this episode, this was like the film classic, A Star is Born, right? Like, this was the plot of A Star is Born. For one star to be born, a star has to die. Like, the, the death of one star... <laughs> in directly causes the birth of another right this was denise like the death of sandra causing the start of denise that was this episode and it was very blatant and sort of saying denise is now like a threat a star because at the end it's like we've created a star and everyone is so congratulatory of her even later earlier on she talks about how this might be the first move that is game-changing, which sort of makes you think of, like, game-changers and sort of the big moves era, whether we move past it or not, but um, just what makes a big threat. Yeah, like, straight up. Like, to me, this episode was super ironic. Like, that was the prevailing emotion or feeling, I guess, from Mm -hmm. this episode was pure irony, where it's Tony and Sandra and um kim and jeremy talking about threats right like what it means to be a threat their previous season how they think sandra makes a big play that gets complete but it wasn't really portrayed as a big risk it was like she's trusting this nobody in denise Mm -hmm. and denise completely outplays her they even devote like an extra little bit of everybody congratulating denise 
Right. Like that's an extra airtime that you could have got like a Yule confessional or something. Mm -hmm. We get everybody being like, wow, Denise is a threat now. Good to remember. Um, So I guess overall, I think neither of these themes are what they seem. And they're trying to actually subvert what you expect. Right. I think if we sort of think about our bigger contenders and it doesn't, it's not across the board. I think there's some people who slip past this. But I think they don't, they're sort of evading these themes for now-ish, mm-hmm. or they're touching them very lightly. Like, I if mean, anything, Sophia... they both hit the opposite, like, or not both, they, they all hit the opposite of these themes, mm-hmm. where it's not, um, like, for me, anyway, I'm not considering hugely the people with all the connections. Boston Rob is not my number one winner contender. Right. If anything, it's the season about the people who don't have connections. Mm-hmm. If anything, it's the season about the people who were not considered threats coming in who prove themselves to be as worthy as the people we consider as threats. Right. Which is sort of a big picture, like things will be hard, but you belong. Like, yeah, these are ways you don't necessarily fit into the scheme of regular survivor, but here's how you're going to. And especially when we start this episode, I think this is an important thing. Like all this episode was irony. But we start the episode with Ben saying, I wasn't respected. I belong. I was a winner. Sure, I want to prove I can play differently. But Rob treated me like I was a newbie. Like I wasn't a real player. I am a real player. I'm like, I'm going to prove you wrong. Mm-hmm. That was how Ben introduced this episode. And then all the themes tacked onto that. I don't think it's a coincidence. Like they're trying to tell us a story of how the new generation is proving that they're good enough. To match up to the Boston Robs, the Parvities. Right. And that's sort of essential when, like it or not, this season is sort of turning into another all-star season where you're losing all your big names, per se. I mean, Jeff said all 20 of these people have won, so in some way they're all big names. But the bigger names. We just had all four villains from the Villains Tribe go in order. Um, but they're all leaving early. Even with Edge of Extinction, you have to consider the people who are still in the game what... What are they about? And what name are they making for themselves? Yeah, the only player before 20 left is Yule. Right, yeah. <laughs> like, and even, like, I would say the big names, per se, that are left are Kim and Tony. And, like, yeah. <laughs> yep. Like, straight up. There's definitely a anti, at this point, very clearly anti-legend status theme here going on. Mm-hmm. About how, like, the idea is that you can create your own legacy in this season right um i guess one thing i do want to bring up is i thought this uh, there isn't a whole lot in this episode right like we got a scavenger we got yara then a scavenger hunt which was interesting enough but what was the scavenger? oh okay <laughs> sorry i tyson finding the thing i right? block edge of extinction out of my mind no i actually i think it was an interesting edge of extinction but we'll get to it yeah we'll get to that later the challenge this week i thought joe's been very negative on the challenge this season that's true. I've been more high. This one was bad. Like, this was just boring to watch. I wasn't invested. In- it just, like, it doesn't feel like they're trying. Like, it doesn't feel like production thinks challenge design is an important part of Survivor anymore. Which, I don't know. Like, maybe that's good. Maybe that's bad. But what we're seeing on the screen is not, like, novel or unique or, like... Like, it's literally... Like, I've just been saying this the whole season. It's just... Parts of previous challenges like smushed together and 
maybe that's winners at war. I know they're using previous stuff, but it's not even an interesting setup. Like, ugh. yeah, I, still I want think that. there really is at this point a real flaw with group does thing that's really basic and last thing decides it. Like, mm-hmm. like that's just not an interesting template anymore. Like, I watched Castaway this week, and I, there's the scene where he makes an S, like a help sign on the beach and i was like remember when survivor did like was like about being stranded on an island and they like made help signs for challenges like it's it's so different but like i miss stuff like that where yeah like remember the fishing challenge in amazon (laughs) where you got immunity but also all the fish you got Mm -hmm. like that's pretty cool i don't know yeah it's just it's really a different time though and it is sort of survivor paring down to what matters in terms of the game and stuff and it's not it's not it's not reward challenges it's not i remember from amazon when they got a refrigerator full of coca-cola like that's not gonna happen (laughs) like which honestly it's probably better for right like we get it they're hungry they like when they get food. I get that part. But like, I also think there is something missing when it's just always the same stuff over and over again. Yeah, it's like, I guess we didn't see Yara eat their peanut butter and jelly, but I, I didn't want to because I know what that looks like from five seasons yeah. before. <laughs> like, like, there is a little bit of a, um, like, you don't know what you got till it's gone of seeing people survive because at the end of the day, it really isn't that important to the story. Mm-hmm. I get people's want for it, but also like they made an entire island about it, like about how hard it is to be out there. And we still don't get that content because it's just not that interesting. They like, just failed in making that seem rough. Yeah. Edge of Extinction doesn't seem hard. It seems like Escape Room Island, like yeah. where you go and there's like weird puzzles. The mm-hmm. pr- premise, theoretically, right, is like you hold, like you listen to Jeff's interviews, and they're like, "This is all about the human condition and how far you're willing to put your body to survive." But I, in two seasons of this, I think we've got one moment of that, with, with which was Ethan mm-hmm. collapsing, and it was completely irrelevant to the actual Edge of Extinction. It was about doing this menial task they forced them to do. Yeah, it was something added on. I don't know. I think if you look at Survivor now, it's like in this season, the part that has maybe been like, whoa, this this could not be for me. It's so hard is when like Sarah's sneaking into that camp and there's a spider on one of their buffs as they're sleeping. And it's like large enough to see I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, no, that's that's not for me. But like, it's it's just not what the show is about anymore. Like we yeah. see little bits of like, oh, Janet made fire because that's important. And that's our little moment of this is an island that they're living on. But like, I think Survivor has moved past that. And if you want that, there's other shows for it. There's yeah, like- if anything, it looks like a utopia. You know what I mean? Like a fun place you'd like to live in. Yeah, well, <laughs> I have a different mind about that, but okay. Other than like the <laughs> Karish- or the rat climbing Karishma's mouth, like... Like, you hear stories of how terrible it is, but the show doesn't really present it. Right. But yeah, um, overall, this is, again, like, I think, anyway, history... I guess, to clarify my statement, watching this episode, I was under the impression this would be the one before the merge. I was like, okay, this is capping our pre-merge story. I left Mm -hmm. it being like, okay, we're probably Mm going to look at this season as like, okay, I had a mediocre pre-merge it was a bunch of really obvious boots and then sandra making a 
dumb move. Right. Yeah, I sort of like looked at this episode thinking it was the like last pre-merge episode and then it wasn't and I had to sort of refit my mind around what happened and like how that actually applies to the story. Yeah. Like honestly when you look back at this pre-merge, I mean we have one more episode of it, but like to me I was thinking along the lines of like okay, Amber, Ethan, or sorry, Amber, Danny, Natalie, Rob and Tyson were all really obvious straightforward boots. And then you have Ethan and Danny being somewhat complicated boots. Other than that, they were all really obvious. Mm-hmm. Add in Parvati, very obvious. Sandra, complicated. Like So you had two real interesting ones and then seven really, really boring boots. Of The right. person was just always going home and there's probably nothing they could do. Mm-hmm. I love this being like, oh, remember Heroes vs. Villains when all of those felt really, really crucial and important and each character had a story? Like, I don't know if there's even... This is probably the seventh most interesting thing about up to episode six of Here's Your Villains, but like uh, James coming out and being like, Colby is Superman in a fat suit. I don't know if we have anything at that level yet. (laughs) Other than maybe Tony the Ladder is the only thing that I think reaches Superman in a fat suit, James Clement. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think even if you look back at last season, I feel like we had more dynamics where like they would fly through people like being the target for different reasons. Like at the beginning it would be Nora, but then Nora would switch to Dan and Jamal and like it would just fly through people and mm-hmm. all sorts of stuff would happen. Just this one has been very very much it seems like the sides are decided and then people are tugged back and forth. Advantages may or may not come to play. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, straight up if this was newbies, I think this season gets panned universally. Yeah, I I was gonna say no, I, I've been liking this season, but it is because I'm really liking seeing all these winners again, especially since we're seeing a lot of like, non-threat, per se, winners making it far. It's interesting yeah. to see those characters again. Like, I'm able to color in the details where I wouldn't be able to in a newbie season, which is interesting. Absolutely. I enjoy watching this season. But when I think back on it, I am like, oh, yeah, Parvati had no move here. They swapped into three jobs of five, which was probably stupid. And she was just the more threatening option. That's mm-hmm. why she left. There's really not much to dissect here. They told us like, oh, maybe Wendell's going. But to me anyway, it's very obvious he was doing that because they all agreed they're going to try to play Parvati and see if they can get her tokens. Might as well on the way out. Right. Like, yeah, it's pretty easy to see the uh, the strings here. Where in other seasons, like, I think maybe this is a hot take. I think Island of the Idols pre-merge was much better than this. I don't, I don't think that is. Or if it is now, I think as people sort of get further from that season and its atrocities, I think they'll value what was good about it. And yeah, the pre-merge was definitely good. So yeah, obviously, other than the horrible stuff, I think the pre-merge was very fascinating to watch. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, we'll move here to the idea of how to use your past to create your present and how I- Edge of Extinction can impact the game. We see Tyson give Parvati the idle nullifier. I feel like at this point, the ultimate flop of we survivor advantages. We spoke it into existence, I feel. I said mm-hmm. it last episode and now it's here and uh, I'm sorry. Although it may, maybe it won't be used because the person who has it got voted out. But yeah, I mean, prior connections obviously played into that. Tyson sort of looked at the field and was like, oh, this is the person most likely to help me later and use it. So and have tokens. So, yep. yeah, 
Um, I mean, <laughs> otherwise, we've talked about a bunch of ways this came into uh, effect here. Wendell and Michelle, Nick and Parvati, um, all sorts of stuff. And yeah, and if anything, it's like, okay, this is clearly important. I mean, Ben wanting to... Ben, at this point, for the first time, overtly says his mission in this game is to show that he's a worthy winner. Mm-hmm. I think that's important. Um, and honestly might be the most interesting thing in this episode. Like, I really like that. He was like, yeah, like I know, like he was pretty much winking at the camera and saying, I know you guys think I suck. Right. But I promise you, I got more. Just Mm -hmm. trust me. Yeah. And I mean, obviously Denise, I don't know if she so much was like, I'm going to, well, I guess she did say, I'm going to do something that's game changing. And then she did it. And it was at the credit of the edit. Amazing. I'm a little like, like you're you're still around Denise, but like you did it like you, I don't know. We'll get to it. Right? Like, I guess, (laughs) let's touch on that quickly. So, (laughs) I guess my takeaway when leaving this episode was, and I was shocked. I looked at Twitter and everyone's like, Denise is the greatest player of all time. Amazing. This is the defining moment of a generation, the new tentpole of Survivor strategy. And I was literally just like, what else would she do here? Like, what is... Is this not the first thought that comes in your head if somebody gives you an idol? Like, this is the Eric Reichenbach thing where, to me, anyway, I love Denise. I, if anything, I was for this as a player. Um, Was, okay, Sandra gave you a thing. You use that against her. That's like the very first thought that comes in your head. Mm -hmm. To me, this was an episode about how Sandra screwed up royally, not how Denise played really well. But I, I think the episode wasn't about that. The episode Agreed. was all about like Denise doing something amazing. Agreed and with that. A, I don't, I mean, it does seem very like if you had a test about Survivor and they gave you like this scenario and you had to fill in the short answer, like this is what you should do. Like, yeah. I mean, you could debate playing the idol on Jeremy. Um, I think it's probably good, but I also can see why it's bad. I don't know. Um, I think the lukewarm take is like, um, she wasted the idol on Jeremy when. To me, it all comes back to, and I think that that's what this whole podcast is about, is the difference between what's actually there on the island versus what they show us on TV. Because you're absolutely right that this was shown as brilliant and like genius survivor play. Mm -hmm. But I think what actually happened is Sandra completely overplayed her hand, was super overconfident, and didn't even bank on a very obvious backstab. Like, the obvious play here is if you're going to do this, you, like give her the idol, whatever. I still think that's a little bit of a misguided move, but you vote whoever you want to go home. Yeah. Like if you wanted Tony to go home, you vote Tony because then when she negates all the votes, it's a one-to-one revote. And you can be like, look, Tony's more dangerous. Not just, I go home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Mike, this is a big brother thing, but like um, Mike Boogie, popular big brother two player again in 2001 famously said, Checks don't bounce in the Big Brother house. They also don't bounce on the Survivor Island. Like, Mm -hmm. in Fiji, your checks, post-dated checks, don't amount to anything. Sandra, you gave her an idol. She has no incentive to actually vote with you. I don't know. To me, this was a Sandra screwed up moment. And then it was presented as, look how great Denise is. Right. And I guess they did an excellent job because a lot of people, I think a lot of people were excited to see like such an icon go down in such a fun way. I think Denise is like a fun favorite for a lot of people. But I think, yeah, given the reaction to it, I think this is something the episode is pushing. 
that she had something to prove and she proved it and here we are and it worked really well so yeah and also i listened to other survivor podcasts and like people have been saying that denise wasted the idol on jeremy to me if you're denise it's it they should have split the votes like Mm -hmm. there's a very easy way to do that which means like to me, if I'm Denise, I do consider playing dead on Jeremy because it's very likely that they are actually just voting Jeremy. Yeah, and I also think even even when Jeremy has voted against Denise, for whatever reasons that may be, I think playing this idol on Jeremy shows that like Denise was really with him. <clears throat> and so Jeremy, who doesn't, I think, have a lot of options at the moment, can fall back on that and be like, hey, this was actually something. If Denise is willing to get over this, I guess we can make this work going forward. Yeah, to me, it's probable anyway that they talked about this plan beforehand. Yeah, that too. But (laughs) just like uh, for every, what, I don't know, 24 hours, we get like 20 minutes across (laughs) all islands. So who knows? (laughs) And that's the thing is like more than likely that happened. But even if it didn't, it's it is the right play, probably. If you're assuming that the other people are playing in their best interest, specifically Sandra, like if she wanted Jeremy to go, she should have voted Jeremy. If she wanted Tony to go, she should have voted Tony. There was no real reason to vote Denise here. Mm-hmm. Like that's we'll, the ultimate misplay. We have a theme about this that I added, sort of seeing it come over. And I think I'll just bring it in now because it sort of fits in. But like um, just the thought of overplaying your hand or maybe trying to make things like perfect when they're when you should just settle for good i mean we've obviously saw this with sandra where she wants to sort of save denise while getting someone else out without people seeing that it was her basically the kelly kim um we saw this with adam where adam doesn't want to lose um goodwill with the people he's voting against so he goes and tells them and it doesn't work out um just moves like that that or like rob corralling everyone in the shelter just all these ideas of trying to make it the best move and how that backfires right is this not a good um to the idea of forfeiting this battle to win the war like this is them trying to win this battle instead of the war Mm -hmm. yeah that is a good a good place i should have put it i kept it as its own but it does really tie into that and it is also this idea of wasting advantages There's a lot of hesitation to use an advantage when you can keep it for something down the line. Yeah. I think that really ties into forfeiting a battle to win the war. Although it's more of a risk-taking maneuver. Right? Like, Sandra is literally overtly, Mm -hmm. well, I have this thing that's just burning a hole in my pocket. I might as well do something with it. Right. And it causes her to go home. Mm -hmm. Maybe this happens a bunch? I think so. There's definitely like lots of pieces. And I think the players that we have are people who are sort of geared to make these sort of moves looking for perfection because it worked in their season, probably. They were able mm-hmm. to maneuver themselves into perfect places and win the season because of it. Yeah. No, I think that's a good point. 100%. Mm-hmm. So I guess that brings us to the I, I the other th- predominant theme here, right? right? Which is the lions and hyenas theme, which I thought was super front and center of this episode, predominantly about Tony, who mm-hmm. just vanishes in a very interesting and unexpected way. Um, and well, maybe this bridges to our previous one here, which is how to create your past. Ty- or Tony 
literally almost characterizes like um the cartoon drawing of a character his previous game where he's just like i'm gonna spy shack because question mark question mark question mark Mm-hmm. I mean, if you if Survivor wants to get real symbolistic, it could be like Tony, who seems to be on like this almost fanaticism over finding shields for him. Like it's sort of almost changed his game's trajectory because we saw him start very sort of on point and like lowering his start level. And now he's become so focused on shields that he actually does this thing where he like says he's doing a spy shack, but he's like hiding from everything. He's trying to find shields literal shields in the environment almost maybe it's a little too like uh college english class but like that's sort of what it feels like no that had to be it right like what other explanation is there for that like i think you're right like maybe it is um like too much literature kind of idea but like i don't think it's a crazy idea to say like with how much the theme of this episode was Look at tight or Tony's um, split personality. Mm-hmm. That maybe he the stories he's just scared. Or I think I think we're just seeing it unravel. Like mm-hmm. even the the best the best intention Tony still can doom himself. Yeah, over time. Um, no, I think that's a good point. Um, additionally, I do think at this point it's. I mean, all season we've been kind of called Sophie positioned as the beta to Yule mm-hmm. and that'd be very good for Sophie It's probably true for all these players like Michelle's coming out looking really strong uh Ben's look coming out looking really strong Sophie's coming out looking really strong mm-hmm. the quieter winners are maybe not even quieter but less respected or looking better right with really only Tony and his respect level being questionable looking like a formidable opponent and even then this episode did a lot to sort of bite into that Depending on how you take this episode. Yeah. If anything, this looks to me like the story could be how Tony failed to get people together. Mm-hmm. So, and why he failed. Because he's a weirdo. <laughs> right? Like, he's yeah. he puts people off, so they play against their own interests. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that's an interesting thing. Um, I think the one that emerged here, all season we've had it here as like a burner theme. Because we know it's going to be important, but not how important um episode one we get nick saying that the winner of this season will be the one who uses fire tokens most effectively they add another layer of duplicity in the game as yule says i think at this point it's very clear that this is still true um we see wendell theoretically as the episode shows us misplay his hand by bartering too much with these tokens we see sandra literally leave the game by bartering too much for these tokens Mm -hmm. um i think it's very clear at this point that there's a added layer here or maybe it's the social game's more important it is being rewarded in a way financially it hasn't before right because yeah with these literal transactions and i think at this point we may have only seen the bad examples like we're waiting to see the good example of how this can be used it was sort of the theoretical, like, Michelle and Parvati team up and use their tokens to escape this, which they couldn't have, as I found out, uh, in addition to Sanders' idol. There were no idols on the advantage menu. Terribly sad. Um, but yeah, using these tokens, we'll see it in the future to s- some extent where someone actually does make a good move 
with these tokens. And it's not Wendell's terribly, terribly awkward interaction with Parvati twice about trying to buy her vote or Sandra absolutely mishandling tokens and an advantage. Yeah, no, straight up, like clearly threatening people to give you their things, bad strategy, right? (laughs) Like clearly bad I do expect we'll see somebody use these cleverly. Has not happened yet. Um, It was a brief aside. To me, this episode was a case study on why hidden idols as well as fire tokens are inherently incompatible and have had a really bad time on this season. Like, it's so dumb that Kim has an idol when Parvati has these four tokens that are theoretically a really important part of the survivor economy when she can't buy anything useful. Mm -hmm. Like... To me, these fire tokens clearly should replace the idea of finding idols, but instead are just complementary to that idea, which right. make them largely useless at this point in the game. We've seen them do no value whatsoever. Well, it's like Wendell said, they have this weird idea that they might turn into idol or advantage when mm-hmm. I, d- I doubt that's going to be the case. They're just going to be used for more purchases but yeah we can't see it at this point because it's either your advantage menu on edge of extinction or you have to get someone on edge of extinction to give you an opportunity so yeah and even tyson says right like it doesn't even matter if they're going to use buy it Mm -hmm. right like that kind of sucks the energy away from them the fact that because in the other than a super idol Nothing's more powerful currently than an idol in Survivor. Mm -hmm. And that's completely, at this point, irrelevant to fire tokens. They don't know that, but, like, why would you care at this point? Like, even at the end when Sandra left, they're like, wait, how is that even possible that she has to? Right. Like, I just think this isn't fantastically planned out. Like, and it makes me sad that this is the all-winter season where there's kind of a broken system going on here that's pointless at this point. I don't know. Mm-hmm. We're fortunate that in this case, it benefited a very rootable character. But yeah. Yeah. I think if it were someone else, like you could possibly be like this, this is, you could really see the cracks in the system where it's just not, not like fair, which isn't the right word I think for survivor ever, but like not very egalitarian or equal just not right right is probably the yeah. best word <laughs> i mean like straight up so far all attempts that we've seen to use the the fire tokens in any meaningful way at all like straight up at all other than on a of extinction have literally backfired yeah i mean i'm gonna have to have a talk with you about peanut butter soon but <laughs> right yeah <laughs> otherwise um, yeah but yeah i don't know that's definitely something um tragically our crab and snake have not returned. We're begging for the future for them. Yeah. But I mean, we we know what they represent, and we yeah. talked about how they were used here. Um, yeah, I think the idea of like being willing to concede for the future, we right. see this very clearly in this episode of Michelle forfeiting the battle of saving poverty to try to barter with Nick and Wendell. Mm-hmm. She's like, listen, I told them I would vote out poverty and it didn't give me nothing. Mm-hmm. That was the theme of this episode, right? Is I think this is one of those ever present ones where no one said the theme of the season is forfeiting this battle to win the war. Right. But we saw it completely here. Yeah. Yeah. This might be the stealth actual theme. Mm-hmm. And as these other people, either big threats that are falling victim to the big threats theme or Wendell just being hopelessly attached to. 
past relationships. Yep. It's the sort of these sneakier players who are doing what they can to win in the end, even if it means a little um, disadvantage in the current time. Yeah, for sure. Which brings us to the idea um, of the I have nature- a brief thing sure. on our nature of truth theme um, and sort of how it goes into the goofiness idea. Because as we saw this episode, Tony, who has been sort of a pinnacle of goofiness as a massacre deception and using it to lower his threat level, bring the arms down so they can he can get in a shot, um, sort of undoes all of it or gets them to be so on edge that they bring their arms back up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, straight up. Like how he fails to do that almost. Like if this pre-merge... One way to look at it is the story how Tony successfully raises his arms down. This was an undoing of that. What that means, I'm not sure. Like, straight up, like, this is a weird episode where I can't figure out whether I'm supposed to be like, oh, okay, this is really bad for Tony because he's failed to accomplish his mission. His mission of being kind of a unrespected player like obviously tony enters this game being like i'm on house arrest mm-hmm. lower my threat level as much as i can and then boom i'm gonna surprise them this episode was kind of a uh retcon on that idea of like people being like he is so cool until the minute we go to tribal we have this idea also with Yule. He says, even though we're not going to tribal right now, a couple episodes ago, I'm using this time to bond with people. It's interesting that Yule seems to succeed there where Tony succeeds, and then the minute they go to tribal, it's undone. Mm-hmm. Are you saying in both cases, even like with Yule? We haven't seen that with Yule. I think it's more of a Tony thing. Yeah, well, I I think there's something there though, with like how Yule really got these highlights when he doesn't go to tribal but then as we've seen in this episode he went to tribal and was almost non-existent but Mm -hmm. like also never in danger because of it so like it seems like he makes the connections and then is able to almost literally sit back and let people scrabble amongst themselves i mean as he says like mom and dad are fighting right yep to me one other theme i want to just touch on here because i think the other ones were not here i think they are themes of the season still they just weren't Again, this episode was rushed. Is the idea, and a lot of this comes to a listener, best to never play. Um, We touched on this last episode, but also how much it really is kind of ever present throughout the episode. Which is people being presented like players from their season that were not them. Mm -hmm. Last week, we were really huge on the idea of Shell being the Aubrey of Mm -hmm. this season. as. Weird as it is that they've been pitted against each other forever, that th- their Michelle's edit is almost note for note, including this episode. Per, or uh, Aubrey, we had a we had a listener best to never play say that Adam's getting a combination of Taylor and Hannah with his weird vendetta and also the goofiness that was always attributed to Hannah, like her sitting out of the challenge, like her uh, getting medevaced out of a challenge that she wasn't even participating in, and. Spending 15 minutes voting, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. We're seeing, I think, that actually in a pretty major way at this point, where we are seeing, like, even Denise kind of emerges more of a Malcolm type. I think maybe the story is she doesn't need a Malcolm. She is her Malcolm. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. Like, the idea that these people are maybe consciously being edited like people in their their own season. 
Right. I'm trying to think of other present examples because I think it is around. I just keep coming to the fact that Wendell is a Bradley. <laughs> Wendell's a Bradley, like almost straight up. Like, um, I think another good one is, I mean, I guess this is, is Kim is like game changer. Shroyzan is almost spot on. Their yeah, charts she, look the same. Hmm. I know. I'm trying to think of a good example from one world. She like, hmm. That's a good question because she, I don't know. It's like the entire cast of one world. Yeah. She's like a weird mixture of like all the final girls. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. there's a little bit of Christina in there, a little bit of Chelsea and Sabrina. Like someone said she sort of fell, fallen into this like tired mom role. Like, Yeah. yeah, that's very much Kim. But yeah, I, I think this is a really good point is that it seems they're taking this opportunity this season to sort of cheekily point out like edits that are or make their edits like other edits. Mm. It's also it's not really affecting characters we think are winning or we're not coming up with those parallels yet, I think. Mm-hmm. And it also would be like, obviously, if it's a good edit, they probably got something similar in their season. So like Sophie as Sophie that's not really too distant. There's a little more peaks and valleys, but it's pretty similar to what she got. Yeah. Yule as Yule, I would say, except for some mm-hmm. weird gaps. So Yeah, obviously like it can't be the same, but Right. Right. Cuz again, so much of this is so context dependent, but you're right. Like most of our contenders look the same. Yep. And then I mean, you we've got We've been talking about Jeremy's consistent uh, visibility, and then I didn't realize on the Edgic subreddit, he apparently has a more three for every episode. So, like, who knows what's going on there? <laughs> Which is hilarious. That might be a prank. I don't know. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. The only other thing I want to touch on is the weird Jeff Probst monologue of things will be hard, but at the end of the day, you belong. Mm-hmm. Ben in this episode says that Rob treated them like a bunch of newbies out here. And what it was about was a lack of respect because I think that's really, really important. I think all of our contenders are people that one way or another, people don't respect Tony too crazy. Sophie shouldn't have beat coach. Um, Michelle even like should have lost to Aubrey. I think she's being presented as a three. Mm -hmm. I don't think she's going to win, but like, I think she'd be positioned as one of those players. Like most of our main people here, are people that honestly their first time ago they won they got the respect but maybe not as much as they deserved is kind of the story here right like i don't think it we really don't have any of the heavy hitters anymore mm-hmm. which yeah yeah it's just a really interesting ben confessional that bridged that gap here yeah yeah i think that's a good point or at least we're, we're definitely seeing if they're not our contenders they're edits that are sort of emerging like we said earlier for more than what they were like, yeah. if Michelle's not winning, I would say most people have an improved opinion of her after this season. So far. I mean, yeah. Even things- even Wendell, right? Like, sure, some Twitter and Reddit people are like, really, he played one of the best games of all time in Ghost Island or whatever. I don't buy that myself. Again, I think when we get to Wendell, it's like, is this the A plus social game we're supposed to have seen? And I mean, yeah, I'm trying to. I'm like, what are you? What are you doing here? And Wendell certainly is like getting the opposite of this. Like, yes, yeah. Like, that's the thing. Is like to me, I'm like, okay, this is shut mm-hmm. with Wendell and our in uh, Ghost Island. But like, I think we're seeing overall a general tendency towards fixing their mistakes. 
Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, that's a hundred percent it. Like we're seeing a, like a difference. Like, again, I think we were a little wrong when we thought the, the theme was old people still got it. I don't think they wanted to condemn the old people, but I think the theme was the newer players are just a little bit more suited to this. Yeah. The new people got it more. Yes. They didn't want to condemn Ethan and be like, you suck. Cause he really didn't do anything wrong necessarily. Mm-hmm. He just didn't do enough. Right. <laughs> right. Um, which I guess brings us to the edge of extinction. Yep. And it is we start with, here with, with your number five winner contender last week. Amber Burkich Mariano. It's with heavy heart and mind that we uh, drop Amber to, I believe, 16th. <laughs> um, because this was not the episode she needed. Yeah, like, this ain't it. Her husband got voted out, and she's just hating on them logs. So, Yeah, if you yeah. were not a Lifetime Survivor viewer, you might not know they're married. Yeah. Like, if you just tuned in in this episode. I don't know. There were some fun, like amazing race vibes as they were trying to find whatever was under the yeah, rocks true. together. But like, I think you could reasonably believe they're like or friends. Yeah, like good friends. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they worked together in the previous episode. You wouldn't know they're married. Mm-hmm, for sure. You didn't get to see like I really, even if Rob wasn't winning or anything, I thought we were gonna see like them embrace and like 10 minutes of how great it is that boss and Rob and Amber reunited. Right. I mean, there was that uh, picture going around this week of like, uh, however many years later it was where it's like Amber has her head on Rob's shoulder. And then Ooh. you get to see it from, I guess, like a preview of this episode. Yeah. The preview was more that than this one. <laughs> right. For sure. So I agree. Amber is dead. Very. Yeah. Not good for Amber. Not good for Rob either, though. I think Rob can maybe survive without this. I mean, it's just not a good first episode after being voted out for him. Mm-hmm. I think, like, yeah, not great, but not the bottom of the edge of extinction. Like, I agree with that. Like, speaking of Ethan, I would say Ethan is just sort of like last place here on the edge. Yeah. Like, I, and it wasn't like he didn't do anything, but that was almost it. Was like he's just so irrelevant now. It's like I don't have anything to sort of get why he'd be winning. That's the thing is Ethan had his send off, right? It Mm -hmm. was the really great couple weeks ago moment when he like, he's like, I will walk until I can't walk anymore. And then they told him, Hey, you can't walk anymore. Right. That's your story. Right. And you compare that to someone like Danny who, yeah, I don't think has a high chance of winning either, but there is this weird like fish scene and the slow and steady stuff. And I'm like, I guess I could see it in a crazy Chris Underwood world. But yeah, that's sort of, I don't know. I think that covers sort of all the bottom dwellers. I think well, based on my Twitter DMS, I must say that Danny is absolutely not a bottom dweller and is in fact worthy of our respect and interest. Um, I must <laughs> acknowledge that beforehand, but I agree. Danny is slightly above these other people. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, sure. Uh, on to, and you're right with the fishing scene it's a possibility. She comes back. I think she has no win equity, but she could be a returning. It would be wild. And she's just like, I, I, I can't, I can't talk about, <laughs> um, uh, Natalie, like not a great episode. It really felt like she was passing the torch to Tyson. For like Queen of Edge of Extinction. So, but there's still a lot of footwork there for me. 
in terms of Natalie maybe coming back at some point. See, the thing to me, I guess this is something I'll touch on now, with, is the idea that, like, we're not merging, so we're not having the extinction challenge here. So we're going to merge, like, that means we're at 12 now, so we're going to merge at 11, probably. Does this mean that two people are coming back at the merge? I think that's in the realm of possibility. Mm, yeah, I mean, I could see if it. If there's two, one of them is Natalie, and she's a leaving again you think is my so? hot take yeah i would almost say i don't think there's two at one time i think it's more likely that at this point we see natalie and tyson come back separately yeah and they just merge at 11 is like right. merge at 12 is what you're saying right yeah. that makes sense i guess like it's not unreasonable yeah they did it for like a bajillion seasons in yeah. their early 20s <laughs> which yeah i guess it's possible 13 they've merged at 13 every time since like cambodia right except here's healers hustlers uh, I believe. that sounds accurate that one they merged at 11 because queen jessica wasn't on the jury Aww. <sighs> queen of the thunder down under but yeah <laughs> i don't know natalie to me reads like you could not make a more returnee that doesn't win than natalie anderson mm-hmm Right. Like, if she comes back, I still have her near the bottom of my list. Eh, this I mean, just isn't the winner. I don't know. I think I'm... I mean, she's like the top of people I don't think can win. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, that's that's a good spot for her. Um, I hope she comes back. Because, like, we deserve more than just one episode of Natalie playing. Right. She does and not have, like ream powers where like i'm glad that we saw ream just on edge of extinction almost rather than the actual yeah. game like i want to see and we know what we can see from natalie in the game so i would love if somehow we got natalie somehow still being the natalie to jeremy <laughs> i mean it's possible <laughs> with what natalie comes back jeremy gets voted at the merge natalie that would be, be wow wild that would be the ultimate reference to this podcast and it would fit into those other people edits theme where mm-hmm. <laughs> they literally really didn't. Natalie was the Natalie all. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's all I have on. I guess those five. I don't know. I want to get to. Let's get to Tyson. Uh, yeah, yeah, the peanut butter caper himself. So like, here's the thing, right? I'm pretty sure in one of the first episodes we saw that advantage menu at Edge of Extinction and we're like, peanut butter, nobody's going to go for that. And if they do, they're going to look stupid. Like, like, what a stupid thing to get. This episode was like, Tyson bought peanut butter and it was the smartest thing he could have done. Right? He called <laughs> us dummies. Mm-hmm. What did he say? He said like, um, some other idiots <laughs> yokels i think was the word right Mm -hmm. i'm smart i know the value of peanut butter and like i believed it i was like yeah that was the smart thing to do like that's tyson with some fourth dimension thinking there yeah like like, you know what Uh, calories are more important than uh any advantage in a challenge could Mm -hmm. present yeah like tyson is so obvious again maybe mark my words but Tyson, to me anyway, is so obviously coming back at some point in this game. Mm-hmm. It's not even funny. The other ones don't even look like contenders compared to Tyson. Right. He still might be. It's pretty close. I think I do have other people above him now. My most likely winner contender, and he is out of the game. He's still in 
He's still my number one. Like I'm wow. Like this scene was like everything that like <laughs> in an episode that was bad for most other people, like this was just exactly what Tyson needed. Like yeah. he played perfectly and I think sort of showed he's ready to get back in. So did he play perfectly? Yes. Wait, what should he have done? <laughs> Take the advantage in the no. <laughs> I don't think so. You're being tricked by the edit. Yeah, but yeah, it's like first level is being tricked to think Denise is now a legend. Yeah. Second level is being tricked to think Tyson made the right choice buying peanut butter. Third level, like if we were going to the galaxy brain uh, meme, it's like third level is Tyson was an idiot for taking peanut butter, but was presented as a genius. Therefore, Tyson winning. I mean, sure. Right. (laughs) <laughs> but I also think it's like... <laughs> Is there not a non-zero possibility that Tyson misunderstood the rules? It seemed like he thought he had to cash in immediately. Mm, right? Like, maybe. his confessional was like, I got this one token, Um, I guess I gotta spend it the mast. <laughs> yeah, but that's also like Tyson vibes to just go for it and buy peanut butter. <laughs> True. That's the thing, like... He wasn't like he wasn't presented as stupid, and like I feel like if and if Danny took the peanut butter, like yo, she's gonna laughed at. Right, like yeah, I didn't want to say it, but yeah, if, I if mean, Danny, <laughs> fuck. Like if she took like the pizza or something, you would get other people being like, "I'm in this to get back into the game," and Danny's just sitting out here eating pizza, and yeah, but no, which is a perfectly legitimate survivor strategy to take the pizza. I respect it. Hmm. But yeah, like Tyson overall, he hits all the themes again in the first episode was like a worshiping of Tyson, almost about how much everybody loves him, how funny he is. The rest of the episodes were tearing him down. I think that's really important. He wasn't present. He was presented very positive from it. So he made the fire. He um, showed that he's willing to like able to live on his own. He's super likable. He's super charming. Then mm-hmm. after that, it was like, everybody doesn't want to play with him. Right. That's still good for Tyson. Mm-hmm. There's a weird thing where on Sele, uh, when Michelle is talking to Nick, she references what Wendell was doing. And Nick was like, oh, that was what Tyson was trying to do. Which we didn't see. Yeah. So it almost felt like positive. Although maybe I'm just like so deep in Tyson land that I'm like, this is obviously good for Tyson. Um, but it really, it felt like we we're just being reminded that like Tyson existed once and was yeah. doing things in the game. So, but specifically, actually, I'm going to, I'm going to deviate you a little because I believe it was last week. Correct me if I'm wrong, but last week was the week that we got Nick saying, if Tyson ever comes back, I would love to work with him because he showed that he wants me with this right. fire token. Right. Right. Like who brought it up, Nick? So I yeah. think it's another reason to remind you, like. They were at each other's throats, but now Nick kind of respects Tyson. Mm-hmm. Um, and as Nick is clearly not a main character in this season, who's he supporting? That's the thing. He's Nick's clearly a supporting character. Obviously, we use that term to mean people who aren't front and center, but also means that they are people who are used to bounce ideas off of people. Right. He doesn't really have a main surrogate right now other than Tyson. Mm-hmm. Like, sure, on the beach, he's probably closest to Yule, but... You haven't really seen them interact at all. I actually don't think we've seen them talk. Maybe early, early on, but it's yeah. Been a but while. even then, minor, right? So, who's Nick supporting? 
It very mm-hmm. well may be Tyson. Yeah, Nick almost feels like a... Because I was going to say, he does feel like he's becoming a bigger character. Mm-hmm. But I think it's almost an Andrea Game Changers way. Where it's like, yeah, Andrea Belkin. Sure. Yeah, and I think he makes sense as a supporting character to the eventual winner. So yeah, so yeah, very obviously still number one on Tyson. I think it's also in part because everyone behind him has sort of faltered in some way. I mean, it's debatable, but Tyson still looks pretty crystal clear despite being voted out. Despite being voted out, he's still above a lot, a lot. Mm -hmm. To me, it's Tyson's number one. He's at least top three. Mm -hmm. I'm very conflicted about who's number one. I think he might be number, but we'll decide at the end. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see who, who else is vying for those spots. Cool. Because I think after it might, it varies a bit based on this episode, so. Which brings us to Michelle Fitzgerald. Wait. The Sully tribe. Are we going? Oh, is it, you don't want to do Yara first? Yeah. Let's do, we'll a do Yara first. Okay, we'll cool. Do a <laughs> so we start with Adam, who has maybe the smuggest confessional in the history of Survivor, where he's like, everybody else is happy, rolls his eyes super dramatically, that Rob is dead, rolls his eyes super dramatically, Ding Dong of the Witch is dead. Rolls eyes dramatically, but I'm still worried. And I don't know, like Adam continues to just look like the party pooper. I feel like is his edit at this point. Like that is his predominant story. He's the guy that can't do the things that other people want to do. When he does talk, he's miserable and is like a drainer. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, we're also supposed to like be concerned for his welfare because yet again he got a confessional that essentially was saying like i'm glad we won here because i probably would have gone home and it's a double confessional or Mm -hmm. not double confessional double tribal so two people went home so and he got the post challenge confessional yeah like he's such a weird one like to me at this point i mean not at this point this whole season he's clearly a main character Mm -hmm, for sure he's one of our main leads, like if you're gonna do the billing of the season, it's like all of the obvious threats and like Boston Rob, like the people that like people who don't watch Survivor know, and Adam, like he's up there. Mm-hmm. It's just I, for how long are we supposed to worry about Adam? Mm-hmm. That's the question. And like, I think... we're clearly meant to not like him. Like that's very obvious. Eh, I don't know. I think we're me- when he gives that confessional. Of like, I'm safe. Woo. Two people leave instead of one. I think we're meant to be like, oh, I wish it was him instead. I think it's the tone they're going for. Mm-hmm. I could see that, I suppose. But it seems so like Adam was saved again. I guess it could be like Adam was saved again. Like the opposite. No, mm. it's like, again, I listeners of this podcast will know. I love professional wrestling. It's when... The bad guy cheats to win and then gives a confessional being like, I won. I'm the best. Two people left instead of one. That gives me more chance to win. He, 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 he. Mm -hmm. I think he's healing it up right now. And they want us to be really mad that when Parvati and Sandra, two of maybe easily the top five biggest survivor players of all time, right? Like, oh, for sure. Like what? Like. They almost definitely, definitely the top 10, probably the top five. They're on the Survivor Mount Rushmore. He's like swimming in the blood of them. You know what I mean? Like he's having right. a celebration that two of your favorites are leaving. 
Mm-hmm. I think he. I think he's still our villain. I think taking your theory into account, which I think is right, I think at my pick for the boot next episode is Adam. Yeah. I think Adam is our like sort of finale to the pre-merge. Like we finally got rid of him. It's, it's Bradley. Almost, or no, it's Natalie Cole. Yeah. Which yeah. is bizarre. Because I think you were talking before the episode about this tribe, whatever's left of them, going very, very far as a whole. Yeah, I guess that's my take here is if you're saying that Adam's going to leave here, I actually think it's very likely that either Adam leaves in our next vote here or Adam's in our final four. And this tribe could very well be your final. Like, I think it could be that drastic. It could be our... Shoot, what's the name of the tribe in David vs. Goliath that Nick was on? Jabeni. Jabeni. Straight up, this is giving me Jabeni vibes. Mm-hmm. But Adam could be the Natalie Cole that gets cut before the merge. Like, very possible. Right. Um. Yeah, I Thanks. don't know. Adam's clearly important. The problem is that important, he doesn't necessarily have longevity. Mm-hmm. He's clearly a main character. The problem is that often survivor works in a red wedding style way where our main character dies pretty early and most of our main characters are gone yeah yeah they're not afraid to kill off important characters in this season so mm-hmm. especially when they're still there technically and when they're like obnoxious like <laughs> no offense again i love adam here like adam is adam 2.0 is tenfold adam 1.0 mm-hmm. but adam 1.0 was also pretty damn good i think again well i know for sure next i might be the only person in the world. well i don't know i feel like there's a good contingent of people out there that have it as a top five season i'm one of them adam's story is one of the main things hmm. adam's a great survivor character i find him a little obnoxious but like i want obnoxious people on survivor mm-hmm. this brings us to ben i guess do you have to me adam's like near the bottom like there's no way he went um, like obviously not not a contender by any means, but I continue to be like curious about what they're doing with Adam. Is that it? To me, losing finalist is very in the realm of possibility. Yeah, I think so. I think, I mean, I have him high. I mean, the group of people I don't think can win is very big right now. So I have him high up there mm. with Natalie and Ben. <laughs> Ooh. So yeah, I think we differ a ton on Ben. I think. My deal with Ben is I think his story is done. I think he got out his nemesis and Rob and he just sort of is a number for however long he remains in the game. <gasps> See, oh, this is a fun point where we- I like this. Okay, cool. So my take, you're right. One of his stories is done. One of his stories was the trials and tribulations of living with Rob. Right? Like, absolutely. From episode one, we saw him flub. He leaks info. He fails to take Rob out. He mentions multiple times how he wants Rob off the island. Boom. Mission done. Rob off the island. He succeeds. Right? That's your take of, like, his story's done. Right. My take. This episode, he introduced a new story. He wants to prove that not only could he take out Rob, he wants to prove he's not the joke winner. He's not um, our bad winner. He's able to do way more. I think there's been this underpinning this whole season. Sure, it's been Rob versus Ben, but it has also been how Ben, again, and I've said this every podcast, has the eyes on the prize, as Dr. Mike might say, has a ferocity that transcends this game. Ben gets what he has to do, not necessarily how to do it. 
he needs Adam to maneuver. He needs, um, like, he really likes Sophie because she's a good person. We also learn he wants to work with good people. We learn Adam has a problem with Ben again, which, again, pre-swap, Adam's like, I don't want to work with Ben. And now he's like, when me and Ben talk, we talk about nothing. When Ben and Sarah talk, they are having the time of their life. To me, this is all highlighting that Ben wants to work with Adam. Adam doesn't want to work with Ben, which will lead to Adam leaving because I guess that's the thing. Like I just said, Adam might be a losing finalist. To me, this is the story of how Adam goes and Ben prospers after. To me, Ben is a long-term character, almost definitely. I feel like Ben, mm, I'm very hesitant to say maybe the most likely to be on finale night. I think that's not a bad read. I think I just see it as Ben is another in this camp of people who have proven themselves and might make it far in the game, maybe not. I think Ben will definitely slot in as this sort of nice person who works with the good people who also have better edits, like Sarah and Sophie. Mm, No, you're right. You're right. That's the thing. I don't have Ben as a winner. Okay. Ben is a long-term player. Yeah, Ben definitely feels like like just a nice, okay, losing on finale night person. Okay, so we're we're in agreement. Okay, gosh, can we ever like disagree and <laughs> not come See, to the? <laughs> I guess okay. Here, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Ben could win. I don't think that's a crazy idea. And mm. if anything, this is actually a really good edit for somebody clearly uncomplex tribe to win. Where he's like, I really want to work with Adam. He swaps Adam. Um, and Adam's story being the whole time he doesn't want to work with Ben. We hear that on original Sally uh, multiple times, actually. How little Adam likes Ben and how much Adam or Ben likes Adam. Then we swap and then we have Ben again reinforce that Adam doesn't like him and Ben talk about how much he likes Sarah and Sophie. That kind of legitimizes keeping Adam in the game. Like, if that's a quote-unquote mistake to keep Adam in the game because Adam doesn't like Ben. Kind of legitimizes it if the whole season we see it and then it gives Ben a chance to like become like win that war by taking out Adam. Um but you're right, maybe the season is about how people check off they belong as a winner and then dying. That could be a case. If it's not, Ben has good win equity. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. I think his edit's been a little all over the place. Mm. Like, he talks about being blue strong. He is, I would say, not blue strong anymore. Um, Just, yeah. I saw it early on, but it's sort of, it's slipping. Like, little pieces keep playing up here and there, and it, like, cracks the good parts that Ben had early on. He's one of the more likely original Sally to win. Oh, Maybe the most. Um, oh, no, I have one person ahead of him. Probably Michelle, yeah? Yeah, Michelle. Yeah, but like, yeah, I think that's yeah. But I, I think Ben is again on finale. I think that's probably likely. Yeah, I think that's not not a bad guess. Which brings us to Sarah, who, oh my god, we were sleeping on early, right? Like Sarah could easily be the winner this season. Eh, this way. <laughs> I mean, I had Sarah as a contender last time, but I think her and Sophie both had a big episode last time. I think her almost invisible showing in this episode hurts way more for her than for Sophie. Mm. Like, I feel like Sarah should come off that episode and sort of, if she's winning, have sort of 
her place in the game sort of laid out. I mean, it doesn't have to be anything extravagant, but like just to have nothing is very. See, I don't agree with that because we did see Ben say, and I think both of us are going to have the same take where, and I think maybe it's worthy to just talk about Sarah and Sophie together Mm -hmm. because I think they had the same episode where they were invisible pretty much. Right. Uh, UTR one if you're uh, scared of the invisible, but they both had positive second person visibility from Ben. Where mm. I thought it was really really funny when they're like, "Are you going to call the cops on us?" To Sarah, yeah. Again, reminding you she's a cop. Mm-hmm. Two, Ben calling her someone he really really likes to talk to. He's a really close bond with her. Sophie, Ben calls a really good person. This is a clever way to keep people not needing content, but also relevant to the story in a way that I think both of them are. Still top tier winner contenders. Again, I would probably have Sophie a little higher, but I still think that this isn't a bad episode for Sarah, especially because they were so obviously scrambling for screen time in this episode. It wasn't even funny. I don't know. I think you, if you have the first scene be Yara, I think it's weird to paint the sort of what was last episode, sort of Sarah and Sophie maneuvering this successfully to make sure they both stayed to sort of frame the episode from both Adam and Ben's eyes as it pertains to Yara. Like we get to see what they think about how the tribe will go from here as opposed to anything from Sarah. That's where I'm wary. Well, I guess my question would be since we're not merging and two of the tribes had to go to tribal. If next week Yara is the tribe that goes and all this is explained Adam goes, is that not an explanation? I don't think so. Hmm. (laughs) I don't know. I think part of it is to, like, sort of, if you go back an episode, look at these two edits, and then say, both of them will get invisible UTR1 in the next episode, you have to do a lot more mental gymnastics to think of how that fits into Sarah's edit overall, as opposed to... Like, and I think the thing I'm sort of realizing is these last few episodes, Sarah has really picked up steam and there's parts of it where I can see her as a winner. But this one sort of reminded me that there were problems early on and Mm -hmm. I'm still a little hesitant. Like, I feel I feel so strongly that Yara is made up of a lot of endgame players, but I think most of them probably don't win. And we're well, just that's how the season works, Joe. <laughs> Dang it. Oh, my gosh. Only yeah, one person wins. <laughs> ah, okay. <laughs> I just said No, something. but I, I get what yeah. you're saying. Right. Like, it's in the same way Lyro, the good tribe from last season, not the orange tribe. <laughs> the same way, like, they had a lot of competent edits there. But you could also tell a lot of them weren't winning. Yep. Like, I think that's what you sort of see from Ben and Sarah, who have very different edits, but it's why I'm skeptical. I mean, Sarah is my fourth contender. I wouldn't put her on my chart, though. Ooh, you're saying you'll have three? Yeah. Bold. That's where, that's, like, I feel like, I don't know, maybe it's, uh, I'm trying to think what's arrogant, like, some bad, not good word to describe myself, but, like, I feel I will be prouder if I did not have Sarah on my list and she doesn't win and that outweighs like her winning and me missing it like you yeah. know what i mean like no like to me i guess to the audience to me the question of who to put on because i do five if i'm equally mixed for the most part on them mm-hmm. and then i drop each 
contender if it's like 20% deficit on the next one, right? Like, right. same kind of idea where it's like, if there's a significant enough departure between four and five, that five is like 1% and five, four is 30%, like they probably aren't equivalent enough to be on your chart. Mm-hmm. And yeah, That's how I view it's very much a feels thing for me. A few weeks back, there was a question in the Edgex subreddit saying, like, at what point down your contenders list is it, like, half and half between, like, these people have 50% of the win equity and then these people have 50%. So, like, you could have, like, maybe three people in that one part and then the other 17. And I think that might be a good way to sort of... Because I also, like, sort of rank my contenders on tiers. Like, I have a dark green tier and then, like, green... And stuff so i don't know just trying to it's it's the charts it's the ambiguous part of edgic but yeah um, <laughs> yeah i, I agree to like obviously the like the logical extended version of that would be all people can win equally right like <laughs> that's obviously a take is all right. people have the same amount of win equity because they're still in the game it's like yeah it's like if edgic was a big enough field that it was like literary criticisms level you could be like okay start from the idea that all people have an equal chance of winning and what can you get from there Mm -hmm. yeah which is not how we work right we work from percentages Mm -hmm. whether that's conscious or not yeah so So i guess what do you think the difference with sophie is it just i think this episode feels as much as they are both invisible utr ones there's the peanut butter scene there's Ben saying Sophie is a good person like it feels stronger than what Sarah got to me I guess to play devil's advocate because I actually agree do you not think that there's a good argument that Sarah has better relationships she has Tony she has Tyson she has Sophie at this point now she has Ben Sarah has all the relationships Sophie has Yule that is like a good point (laughs) right like Sophie is one person the thing is Sophie got detached. I don't know, because Sarah also got detached from everything she made and then just made new ones. Mm, It just, I guess my feeling is that Sophie will be able to reconnect with those and make up for that. That is probably the weakest point, though, is sort of no relationships. Mm Mm-hmm. Even well, one. With, even with Yule, it sort of dwindled. Like Yule doesn't talk about Sophie. <laughs> yeah, that's no. the. I think the interesting thing is like, even you pointed out a couple weeks ago. Like, granted, this is good for Sophie. It was clearly dubbed in him talking about Sophie. Right. Um. That's, that's the interesting I, thing to me is that I think there's a good argument that Sarah's playing way better than Sophie. She has the relationship with Tony. She has the relationship with Ben. Even Ben says, like, I'm really, really close to Sarah. Oh, and Sophie, I guess she's a good person, too. I like working. Mm-hmm. Well, he's, he's clear that he's closer to Sarah. He sounds like he's surprised to be. Yeah. Sophie. So and Yule stuff is canned in. Um, we see that a bunch. Like, to me, it's I guess the reason why I have Sophie above Sarah is that there's more edit manipulation to show Sophie is the winner. Because right. I actually think Sarah's probably playing much better mm-hmm. and probably has more long. Like, Sophie is more likely to be the merge boot than Sarah, but she also has more win equity. Right. Sorry, I was like, just thinking about Sarah as a merge boot would be, I think, very different because of her past experience as a merge boot. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I agree with that. 
Like, I guess to me, the difference would be if Sophie left next episode somehow, obviously she would not be as the idol. I would leave this episode being like, oh, like, why did they show Sophie so good when she didn't do anything and she got voted out with an idol? Mm -hmm. Whereas if Sarah left next week, I would be like, oh, they showed how good Sarah was because she played really well and she got screwed or whatever. Sure. I think that's that's the difference is like, there's reason to edit Sarah. Mm Mm-hmm. She clearly has good bonds with a lot of people where Sophie's clearly like, as Tyson said, he couldn't even remember her name. Mm-hmm. The fact that we're having a debate between them shows that there's manipulation. Right. And I think so. these sort of problems that are there in Sophie's edit are what keep her below Tyson for me. See, I think it's so hard. Because, it's like, I mean, sort of think about what is wrong with Tyson's edit. Nothing. Other, Other than, than he's he got, voted out. Yeah, so it's like versus where I can see gaps in Sophie. I can too. You're right. So. Like if I was thinking, the problem is Edge of Extinction gives you a bias, right? Where you compare them to the Edge of Extinction people, but not to the other people. And I'm trying so hard to diligently um counteract that, but I think I have Sophie above him. Maybe it's stupid bias, but for the fact that she has more paths to the end, mm-hmm. which doesn't super matter with what we do. Because, again, there's only one winner, whether the Edge of Extinction or not. But, like, maybe the winners just do not consider a winner from Edge of Extinction. I think that's... But at the same time, I think that's stupid because we see in the episode the themes of, like, Amber saying, and this is what bonds us all together. Right. So, I don't know. To me, I probably put Sophie one above Tyson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think I definitely get that. Yeah. I'm just risking it for Tyson. Yeah, I, it's probably like, like, that's the other thing is like, it, it's more impressive probably to get Tyson because mm. it, it should be less possible, but it seems just as possible. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I'm kind of, what's the word? Being arrogant. Why is that the only word I can think of? But like a little, a little snarky about it. Too much cool yeah. points. I'm, Too much work, cool points. Yeah, it's for work, cool points. Work to tone back my cool points. Which I guess brings, I guess to me, I just want to say, I, I think gun to my head, Yara is our comp tribe like i yeah they just seem that way like i could see adam the least likely but i could see all four of these people winning adam again like massively below the others right but in a way that i could not see any of the other four winning in any capacity Mm -hmm. like there's people on both Sally and to call that to my money cannot win oh for sure whereas this one like Sure, you could have a fierce debate like over whether Adam can win. But it's like they're obviously doing something with Adam. Yeah. He so has like... they, they care about him. Yeah. So that's something to me, anyways. Yara is probably our trap. I agree. It's like if they're all jigsaw puzzles, like Yara's a really pretty picture that's all put together. Decal is still all over the place, completely disassembled, and then Sele is all put together, but they're very sad and gray. <laughs> They're just a yeah, great particular but boring. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I guess that brings us to Sele. For my money, maybe the most surprising character is Michelle. Yeah. She's been so fun, right? Like mm-hmm. she's Where'd Aubrey. <laughs> like she has the best confessionals. She's super funny. She's super strategically uh, um competent. Mm-hmm. So relatable. Yeah. Like this is is this not like the millennial representation of survivor like it's like (laughs) no one really puts labels on things you're not able to properly figure out what people mean because they speak in code right 
Michelle nails this all perfectly. She's such a good character. Honestly, this is the Michelle that um I think people wanted to exist on Karang. Right. But it's just like I think I've been thinking about how like Karang was just such a different season for Michelle, I think. Because, like, you hear it in the way she talks about, like, backstabbing. Uh, and it's like, that wasn't really Cal wrong for her, right? Like, if she was betraying someone, it wasn't her move, I don't think, primarily. Well, I mean... Am I, am I remembering that right? I mean, there were obviously moments. I would but... say that the number one thing that pointed to Michelle winning... Well, honestly, it was just the, like, forced content and, like... Right. Congr- always story for somebody that wasn't going to tribal mm-hmm. like she had like a pretty well-paced story but i think the, like if you're gonna look at like game thing i think it was backstabbing julia to me anyway confirmed she's winning right the whole season i was pretty firm on her but like specifically a beauty girl but when she was like yeah i don't care all about julia i was like oh, okay she's winning for sure yeah but I like that. I think that's the moment, and you're seeing her sort of push up against the season, which is apparently full of like people ready to backstab and mm-hmm. do anything, and and yeah. yeah so I think we're all supposed to look bad at that, right? Like, mm-hmm. if anything, the positive for Michelle is that we're supposed to take her side over Wendell, Nick, and Yule. Here. Right. Yule positioned massively in the background. Yeah, literally. <laughs> Like, literally, you would not... I forgot he was on this tribe. Mm -hmm. And I'm a nerd who pays way too much attention to this stuff. Michelle, to me, probably outlives Wendell. I think that's a... Gosh, I hope so. ...inevitability. (laughs) I hope so. Hope so, yeah. Yeah, if not, canceled. That's that's part of the edit, right? Is like, it wants you to make you to believe that. So... Yes. That's why we think it's the case, so... Yeah, game theory, she should absolutely not outlive Wendell. Right, like, right. If they go sure. again, uh, she's going home. If you're just watching for purely what they tell us, mm-hmm. but there's something weird going on, right? Like to me, it's very clear that Wendell is being positioned as a bad person, <laughs> maybe someone that Ben might not be willing to work with. I'd say again, Michelle is positioned as a good person. Her side is continuously taken. Mm-hmm. She probably goes far. Does she win? No. Aww. To me, she could be our fire-making loser. Like, something like that. Like, Kara mm-hmm. K, um, something like Janet. I guess she's not the fire-making loser, but... Yeah, she does That's the vibe I get. Janity, and And maybe that's the trap I'm falling into. Michelle's my third contender. <gasps> but she sort of flies in the face of everything, because I just said Yara's our complex tribe. Dakal was our complex tribe before. Michelle's on neither of those. She's stuck on selling. <laughs> Um, I don't know. It just, it's such a feel good story. It's like, I want this to win. Mm-hmm. And I should, no, I guess right. I, I should know that this doesn't win. That's the thing is like, if complex tribe theory, this is the, ep- or this is the season where it dies. This is the death of complex tribe theory. Michelle's our winner. Right. Right. Like, um, and again, and provided like, there's a weird context of like the producers coming out overtly and saying that episode one was one episode right like that Mm -hmm. whole debate where michelle's first hour is terrible her second episode second hour sorry is beautiful Mm -hmm. that kind of flies in the face of uh a bizarre 
and strange ground we're in. But I don't know. I think she's probably going far. Yeah. To me, it's just like her story is so clearly. Look, Michelle deserves it too. Mm-hmm. I don't think that cashes her $2 million. Yeah. I don't know. I think part of it is hope. Part of it, I don't want to just be down to Tyson and Sophie. True. Yeah. I think you're right, though. Like, perfectly logical me would have Michelle with Sarah, where it's an edit I'm sort of fitting pieces into and. It's probably too many pieces to fit into. Yeah. But same. But still high. I mean, considering all the other people, I still think that puts you above a ton. That's fair. So, Joe, what do you think about Nick? Right? I, I like Nick. I like this Nick we're seeing now. I wish we could have seen this from the beginning. I think Nick is the Andrea, like I said. Um, he's getting better content now. I wish we would have seen it the whole season, but... We didn't. Um, if we had, I'd have him a much higher contender. But yeah, kind of not good. Yeah, this is one of those missed opportunity edits to me where if they just give him a little bit more in episode two and three, four even. Mm-hmm. Like people are arguing online that Nick is actually the winner, right? Like his premiere right. was good enough. Right. Then his second and third and fourth episodes were terrible. And then I think when he was a decoy boot, like that wasn't a good way for him to look. Yeah. So like, that's the thing is like, it just isn't quite good enough. He's not our winner. If it is, the edict's broken. Mm-hmm. That like, I don't know. I really like Nick. I think one thing that I do want to say about Nick is he has an amazing way at putting very salient words to what's happening, right? Like this episode, he was almost like how we've been talking about poverty, right? Where she's able to just like, speak very poetically nick's able to do that too um he's like i don't know the whole thing of he's like well like do i want to betray who i was uh because i really had a crush on poverty i wanted to work with her Mm -hmm. listen to her intro like um is a second chance worth a million dollars or whatever like he is really good at words uh right as goofy as that sounds he's probably a main character or maybe not a main character, but a long-term character. Like a supporting a long-term character. I think so. I think we're, you're right, we it's be, Andrea Belke. But we might be falling into the trap of, is everyone a long-term supporting character? Well, um, well I think there's... Uh, hmm. <laughs> to look I guess at the my bias there. is that I think the Yara tribe minus Adam is going far. And we talked about them first. E- yeah. And then I think Michelle's probably going far. Nick's probably going far. The rest of these people I will not be as uh, kind to. Yeah, I think I think it is just a situational thing. Because I guess in my uh, psychic picture of the season going forward, it's Yara plus Tyson plus Nick and a few other people. Like yeah. Maybe, maybe Michelle doesn't make it too much longer. Like, hopefully after Wendell, but I don't know. Yeah, um, like she could be like eighth. Yeah, I think Nick is one of the actually stronger people I Agreed. could see going a while. He's so much like your filler episode before the merge or before the uh, finale boot, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's the vibe I get from Nick is he's actually very like to me Nick's like Rob has a podcast postseason retrospective will probably be the most interesting because he's probably playing really really well mm-hmm. and just he's not relevant <laughs> like he's just. 
boring compared to everybody else in terms of their role in the story is the vibe right. i get from nick right like he's important to the right. beach content but not he has no long-term like he doesn't have a story yeah i think even though he was the decoy boot in the tyson thing i think he was well positioned there like that just happened to be the person tyson picked um and i think he's just had this pre-merge where he's always like in a pretty excellent position but it's also a boring majority position yeah so yeah he's just he's our guy that swag effectively never went to tribal right like right um and the one time he like the times he did it was like a super obvious boot which he had no real Mm -hmm. and when he did go he did get something i don't know i think as weird as it is i do think he probably goes far Mm -hmm. um i put that over adam over ben but you're right i think it's yara plus or minus adam plus michelle nick going far Mm -hmm. and i guess tyson might be from the i don't i would hmm. i would think he's more like a chris underwood returnee as opposed to a merge returnee that i can't tell it could go either way yeah he could easily just come back next episode well i don't know Two episodes ago, yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah, that's Nick. I I like him. Great character. So, Wendell. (laughs) I have a little bit of a tangent here. So, I called him as somebody that people should consider more as a winner contender than they are. Because his first episode flushed him out in a way that they didn't other characters. I'm here to say, Dan Kilby was wrong. Um, Not completely. I think I called him being a main (laughs) character. In this story, more than a lot of people did. He's clearly front and center. He's our one of our antagonists. I didn't think it would go that way, hmm. but I I think I correctly read that there was more to this than just a background character. Wendell could easily be like I don't know. Maybe even now he's already like I think it's easy in this podcast for me to think about the future. He's probably already our villain, and like I missed that. But I got that he was really important to the story. I'll yeah. take the mini victory. Okay. Well, I think it's a complete loss for me. Like, because I was also thinking we should consider Wendell more than we are. But I don't know. I think I was sort of expecting him to be that background character. And yeah, it turns out he's just like, honestly, like really bad at the game. Yeah. Like, every interaction is just not like I'm a terrible conversationalist. So I feel like I can judge Wendell appropriately and say he's also a terrible, like, I see, like, he's always trying to say the best words as opposed to saying words. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> this is, like, I don't want to be the person that uses this to relitigate previous seasons necessarily. But holy crap is... Wendell making me be like, like, was what was Dom that bad? Like he made Sebastian <laughs> feel bad at that one vote, but like we saw this stuff in Ghost Island too. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, this isn't some new character behavior because he's playing with fantastic players, right? Like, people in Ghost Island had this same criticism of him. We saw it in the episodes, even that he was really cold and distant, mm-hmm. unable to actually empathize with people. We're right. kind of seeing that here. I think it's me, definitely it's definitely exacerbated by being around all these better players. But like the fact that we saw it with I mean people talk like 
the conventional wisdom at this point of Ghost Island, right, is that it's one of those one world scenarios, right, where the cast was just terrible. Mm-hmm. I think most of the good people probably left them pre-merge. I think it was actually a pretty solid cast. Just they all left before right. merge. But like even still, like he just really had a field day with these people. Um, and even then they were pointing out the problems that like Wendell never really talks to me. And when he does, he's kind of a dick. We're seeing that now. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. There's a, a lot of conventional wisdom out there on Survivor podcasts and stuff that Wendell just has this social game factor that outpaces everybody else he's the social god i maybe it's a hot dick i don't believe it this kind of stuff is stuff that you never ever in four seasons with poverty see anything like what wendell was talking to michelle talking to poverty that stuff just doesn't happen with Mm -hmm. people like poverty people like jeremy with people like Kim, even in her first season, even Adam, like this is stuff that like is basically you look at the raw footage and it's bad. I don't know. Right. I feel like we are really seeing the power of the ghost Island glow up here Mm -hmm. because this is just like not good. And I don't know. It's not something that would have gotten worse between seasons. like i don't know two years ago right like yeah like it just feels so inherent like we said we saw it in his first season to some extent so yeah i guess one thing right like sure in this episode we just saw sandra make one of the worst moves of all time in pearl island she's very clearly a different person and she's never suffered from overconfidence Mm -hmm. and Heroes vs. Villains or Pearl Islands. Never once was Sandra characterized by like playing too hard with her hand and overdoing it. Like, that's a new problem because of mm-hmm. new circumstances. Right. Wendell, we saw these exact problems in Ghost Island. They just they disliked Dom a little more, and even then it tied. Mm-hmm. To me, it's very clear that Wendell probably thinks of himself a little too high treats people a little too cold and the ghost island jury was a little bit more willing to vote for against dom yeah that said wendell ain't not winning he is last place yeah last uh like maybe above uh, ethan no last place (laughs) pretty damn close one thing like i said earlier they've been overusing Maybe not overusing, but more dramatically using music, accentuated music in this season than prior seasons. Every time Wendell talked in this episode, straight up, like no exception, Dodo music was playing. Or like just sinister, like, yeah, this is not a good thing music. Yeah, like all of it was negative. Like it all made you feel terrible and bad. And I do feel for Wendell. He's probably an okay guy. Um, he's getting a lot of hate online. Um, I don't want to like, whatever. He's a cool dude. I right. like had positive interactions with him online and in person and stuff. I'm talking about the character on the show was mm-hmm. presented as a jerk. Yeah. And like we, we talked about how last episode was like the, clo- we thought the closest he could ever get to OTTN, but then we were, yeah, he was straight up over the top negative this episode, yeah. right? Like, yeah. Yeah. And it's, I think it's also just not odd. Like, music wise but visually too like there's so much focus in the tribal council on wendell will say something and then you'll get michelle just like looking awful <laughs> like yeah she looks 
horrible and terrible and like doesn't want to be there and like it's pointed out and it's just yeah literally are you in emotional distress mm-hmm. like wendell looked so terrible in this episode from all sides right he is no chance if he wins like I don't even know what to say. Like, I'm unequivocally wrong about everything level. Right. I mean, it's like what was one of our problems during Ghost Island was this sort of coldness that would come to the forefront. And it it tricked me. But like, if it happened here, it's not even a trick. It's just I'm at you edited a different season of Survivor. <laughs> yeah. Even then, I mean, like in Ghost Island, like to minorly relitigate this, I guess, like it's not like you were a Dominic person from the like the very end you flipped right and they even used it was like wendell super positive invisible invisible super positive invisible invisible super positive invisible invisible negative as hell super positive again like mm-hmm. they did a weird thing with wendell in that season where he was either there and the best person of all time not there <sighs> Or looking like a dick. And there's no middle ground. He never once was like middle of the road or anything like that. Right. So I don't know. Like the fact that he's been just negative without other than the premiere, anything resembling positivity. Very bad for Wimble. Mm-hmm. Which brings us to Yule. <laughs> Which is a, another bizarre problem. Yeah. Like. This episode, I would have to think intentionally was like, don't show Yule. Like, yeah. But why? <laughs> That's the big question I have right now. Like, why did they not show Yule at all here? It's weird because he's, again, there's been like two at this point, right? Like, what? One character? Two characters that have been not UTR in every episode, right? It's mm-hmm. literally Jeremy and Tony. <laughs> and that is it. And even Jeremy has like no complexity. Like right. every other character has dipped in visibility at some point. Yule was that until now, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And he just vanished. Um, like one extra reliable person vanishes. I don't know. Yule to me, maybe the explanation is poverty is just the fan favorite. Mm-hmm. Like I know I was like my survivor casual bones were shaking this whole episode that poverty was on screen getting voted out i'm like i hate all these people i don't even want to watch anymore (laughs) right like that was the that was my gut instinct (laughs) so maybe it is just smart to just keep you all out of it i don't know i think you would sort of grapple with we played together like what 10 years ago more than 10 years ago 15 (laughs) and yeah this is the move i have to make it's smart i'm with these other two people blah 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 yeah, he didn't give anything. So I think that's where I'm like, it's probably worse and better. Because I think part of this is just the most blatant, like, uh, hiding, shielding him from negativity ever. Yeah. But it's yeah, so there's blatant. two arguments there, right? Yeah. Like, if you're a Yule believer, this is the ultimate way to hide somebody from right. a really negative round, right? Like, especially populated by how negative Wendell was, right? Like, there is an argument that you just hype up that and... Mm-hmm. Remind people that Yule's there and then pop him back up next week. If that happens, like to me, Yule's not out of contention. The problem is that last week it was all about Jonathan Penner and like that hyper emotional. Oh, yeah. I've totally forgotten. I forgot about that. I That's like that the problem, program. right? And like That's... hyped up with the CBS Cares thing last week to almost invisible this week. Little hard to reconcile with. Um, To me, he's 
still a contender if he wins. Like, he's probably fifth. I had him at fifth. I think I'm going to drop him to sixth. Yeah, maybe sixth. Maybe sixth. <laughs> I mean, that's... So we know the top four are Tyson, Sophie, Michelle, Sarah. Yule is now below six, who we have not talked about yet. But yeah. I would say he's now, like, top of people I don't think can win. See, to me, he's, like, bottom of bottom of people I think can win. Yeah. It, yeah, that's a... Huge a differential there, but... Yeah, I don't know. He's awesome. Um, yeah. Even the small amount he got this episode was good. It's just, he wasn't there. Yeah, he like shined. It didn't feel like he fit in with the negative chaos that was the rest yeah. of Sele. It was like I this get, weird yeah. like crew member that was just happened to be sitting at Tribal Council and was like, gosh, I don't like these people fighting. <laughs> <laughs> right? Again, it's like one of those, like, if you tuned in for the first time, you wouldn't know who this man is. Mm-hmm. It's always a bad sign. Because, sure, Cable's dying, but so many people tune in for the first time randomly on episodes. Right. You kind of have to explain who they are. Mm -hmm. So, that's something. Or, like, explain who they are or be, like, completely okay with not showing them. Yeah, yeah. Like, Like, that's the thing. Like, you can win. It's just, it's a bizarre story to take him down. Mm-hmm. I mean, it fits in with the problems we've had, which is, like, there are bits missing. It's, like, the hollow... Michael Yerger edit where yeah. parts of it feel right, but parts of it feel real wrong. Yeah, to me he looks like a big old shield. Mm-hmm. And if anything, a as sad as it is, like CBS care showing up on finale night. Mm-hmm. I mean I, I guess it's happy. Yeah, I think if we're talking about um all this late late merge people, Yule is slowly like quickly becoming like early merge. Like, yes. Fodder. Him and Wendell. Yule could be Jeremy and San Juan del Sur. To his mm, so... Nick. No, okay. To his Nick. <laughs> oh, and yeah, Wen- Wendell is not going far in this game. Yeah. Yeah. Like to make that clear. <laughs> um, yeah, Yule could go. He could go far. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm wrong on like the plus or minus Yora with Adam, like he could be the Adam there. Like I almost think what's going to happen is this group of three, Nick Wendell Yule is going to come out of Sele unscathed. I mean, I think all of them are, I think Michelle's, they're just not going to tribal. Yeah. And then Sophie is given the choice to be like, should I go back with them or start a new group? And, and does go with probably them. Defaults. No defaults away from. Ooh. See, I could see you'll get like idled out or something like that. But yeah, I don't know. To me, he's not our likely winner. He's probably leaving fairly early merge. His story is just too highlight. It's Davy Rickenbacker esque, where it's it's our highlight reel. It's not an actual complex view of this person. Hmm. Like, yeah. We yeah. hear he likes math. We hear he likes game theory. We hear he likes Jonathan Panner. But none of that, none, there's no connective tissue. Right. It's all, it's like a, um, like a Pachacucha. Someone has 20 seconds to explain something versus four minutes. What did you just say? A Pachacucha is a style of business presentation. Oh, wow. You learned something. I've never heard of that. <laughs> you get 20 um, seconds per slideshow. Um, and you have to explain as much as you can. Each twenty second time frame. Hmm. Interesting. Oh, that's that's the Yule edit, <laughs> which I guess brings us to Parvati Rip Queen. Like, honestly, there's nothing she could do here. Like she's not winning. She's not coming back. <laughs> okay. Um. It was funny. It was the one time I was like, uh, "What did I predict? Oh yeah, Sally's not going to Tribal Council." 
and then it's the one time I didn't predict Parvati going. So, Oof. she of course went. Um, very sad. She looked so tired this episode too. Like she, yeah. she had no chance, and, and just was fighting with Wendell and everyone. And yeah, yeah this is I guess the part of the podcast where I say like, whatever production member campaign for three tribes of five, like please hand in your pink slip, um, to HR. Never come back. What an awful swap decision this was. And like, if just the idea wasn't bad enough, the fact that our boots were Rob Parody Sandra, like, yeah, they're getting fired. Like, <laughs> terrible plan here. When no matter what you're ending up with, tries with fairly rigid lines and like nothing some of your like icons can do. Mm-hmm. Like, what was Parvati supposed to do here? Nothing? Just hope she wins? And then you sent her an idol mollifier? Like, to me, Parvati leaving, sure, it's sad. It's also an indictment on production. This is lazy, bad production. Why is the winter season going from two to three? Makes no sense. Eh, I mean, that's that's the way of Survivor, and it's exciting. But it does mean for these terrible number situations that even the best players can't play themselves out of. Like, like I said, Rob literally had ideal strategy on Yara and couldn't get out of it. Yeah. And another thing, like if Parvati, Parvati played the best she could. Sandra, mm. yeah, Sandra, whatever. <laughs> the bad girl, but like Parvati actually is a really good example here, where theoretically, right, your fire tokens are a representation, a compensation of the social game that mm-hmm. normally is only b- benefited in um like bonds and stuff like that, right? Like voting blocks, etc. That's what you get from the social game and jury votes. Mm-hmm. theoretically fire tokens your ally gets voted out you get more agency in the game for whatever reason they throw in in an idol nullifier here at the swap literally the like, worst like the best advantage in the best times but like the worst advantage you could get parvati at this time and in general like imagine if parvati found the selly idol and instead of um parvati tyson decides to sell it to nick mm-hmm. and we see parvati get idle null fired out of the game like why is this being given out at the swap with five people on a tribe it's so to me it's such bad production like it's there, where's your exciting intro like in moment here someone plays an idol and gets kicked out of the game like your scrappy underdog michelle idols at wendell and leaves like right there's not a good moment here that you can draw. I mean, like, yeah, that's a that's a whole nother podcast is like the problems that could arise from all the advantages in here. Plus, like a swap that theoretically could have a tribe at three going to tribal council again. Yeah. Like what if Jeremy uses a safety at power at the three person tribal? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's all kinds of stuff like that. Like, I don't know. Like they need to think about what these advantages mean for the broader game mm-hmm. before they send them out. Right. Like it's just, there's no reason for anyone, but a majority to want this and majority stomping your minority is already the boring outcome. Mm-hmm. They just need to think about that. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, Which so brings us to the call perfectly. I guess I, mean, I didn't say I'm, I'm higher. Like she has that rise, like a Phoenix 
line. So like she's up yeah. there in the group of people who don't have chances, I guess. But like it's not great. This I really if Parvati was winning, I really wasn't expecting Edge of Extinction to play into that. Yeah, like I love Parvati. I would love. I've seen a lot of discourse on the idea of that rise like a Phoenix confessional. I think she just said it and it was a clever thing to say. I mean, it's a great Parvati shallow line. Yeah. Like she'll probably talk about what it's like to be a mom on edge of extinction and mm-hmm. vanish. Vanish into the sunset. Yeah. She'll get the, she'll probably get the Kelly Wentworth treatment if she's, mm-hmm. but I hope so. I mean, mm, I don't know. See, that's the thing is, like, at the end of the day, I'm content with seeing, like, sure, it, it it's really sad that she left, but sometimes being sad is okay. Yeah. Like, I don't know. That brings us to Decal, mm-hmm. which we start with, I mean, new empress of the Survivor Reddit. Yeah. The Denise, legend. The greatest Survivor player of all time. Denise Some Stapley. might say. Right? Because um, she took an idol that could only be played at that vote and used it at that vote. The thing was, in addition to just general like thinking about this move in relation to the treatment it got, we've also been very low on Denise for most of the season already. Mm-hmm. So to see this was just another like weird, like this isn't a character who should be getting this treatment, but I, I guess we're here. So, yeah. yeah. That said, I mean, her edit's not as bad as I had her probably. Like her premiere got a recount of how um, Survivor Philippines went, and like reminds us, hey, that's the girl with Malcolm, and she went to every tribal, and she had never won some not gone to tribal. I still mm-hmm. think maybe she's in the realm of winner. Mm. Um, she's the very top of my like people life stop considering list. Wow. Where maybe this is the story, like, because this was heavily manipulated. Like, what else are you going to do if someone gives you an idol and says, vote this person? Like, you vote them out. Like, that's <laughs> like the like, like most open invitation to screw somebody other mm-hmm. than Eric Reichenbach giving the idol away that we've ever seen. I think I, I can't honestly can't think of a like, I don't think Sandra maybe made that level of mistake, but like, I don't think we've ever seen a invitation to do it as much as this. Right. For sure. I think it's different, but like there's been worse mistakes probably in the game, but like this, this thing is this was presented as one of the best moves ever. I just don't think it was, which means something. Mm-hmm. It could just be checked Denise off the box of, Look, she proved herself. I think it's maybe setting her up for fitting in with this decal group that doesn't do well in the game. Mm. Like this group of threats that succumbs to whatever other group finds itself in power. That's kind of interesting because none of these people are connected to Yule's group. Right. Yeah, that's actually a good point. Um, and I mean, only Tony has really connections outside of here. I mean, Jeremy and Michelle. But... Jeremy, Michelle, Denise, Adam, <laughs> Kim, Sophie. <laughs> yeah. As loose as that is, you're right. Like, this is a disaster of a tribe. Yeah, it's a sinking of... ship. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like, the thing is, like, Denise could win. It's just so likely that her story is actually how Denise, no one considered a threat, shows herself to be a threat and gets voted out for it. Right. Like, this could be just her move that she did. Mm-hmm. Um, her story could be over very easily. Yeah. I or mean, like, she could fence, like, kind of slot in somewhere else. I think what we said last episode was she maybe had, like, a 
someone for her on the editing team, sort of putting her in wherever they could find a spot. And I don't think this episode really sways away from that. <laughs> it's yeah. just this mishmash of... And if anything, it gives a reason for that. Right, because she did become real. Like, taking out Xander is huge, regardless of the move or whatnot. Yeah. So. Especially when it was, like, just her vote, and she played two idols. Like, that's what's... This, like... Denise in this episode is what Survivor wants from all players. Right, that's true. Yeah, I think I would not be surprised if she just sort of faded real hard into the background for the rest of her. See, I wouldn't be surprised if she gets voted out like the merge boot. It's like, oh, she showed she's too smart. Gotta go. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Early merge. Yeah. Early merge, I agree. This really is the tribe of early merge, so. This could be the early merge. (laughs) Like... I would not be shocked if, like, Denise, Jeremy, Kim, so Tony are, are the early merge booths. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that's Denise. Let's move to Jeremy. Honestly, <laughs> did he not have... At this point, I almost feel stupid discounting Jeremy. Like, this is the one that, like, a time traveler comes back, slaps me in the face, and is like, idiot. Jeremy wins. He's the only one who has content in every episode. But at the same time, I'm like, we know nothing about him. Yeah, and content in every episode isn't as important as you think. Yeah. I mean, it looks really good. You got the best chart, other yeah. than the one on our edge where <laughs> yellow every time. I don't know. I would argue that that's kind of the best chart. <laughs> like Maybe is the best chart, yeah. Iconic edgic bars are really the true winners at it. Um, true. But uh, yeah, he was at the top of my people who can't win. I mean, he's now been trounced by Yule, but it's just so weird. It is always present, but not winnerly, not complex, as you said. Like, that's the weird thing is it's never like, I feel like it's never complex enough to warrant a CP. As odd as it is, like, as we just said with Denise, it's like, like, is Val an editor? Like, (laughs) it really feels like they give Jeremy like this token confessional every episode that like vaguely summarizes where he is Mm -hmm. exactly in the tribe, but with no foresight. Right. I got this thing from Natalie. I'm going to use it to avenge Natalie. Oh, or first it's Natalie got voted out. Oops. That sucks. Mm-hmm. Next it's, oh, I got this thing. Next it's, hmm. we're voting out Danny. We're voting Next out Danny. Adam hmm. is bad. What can we do? Yeah. It's all so short term. <laughs> no, like it's like the guys in it's like uh incapable of seeing the future mm-hmm. which you know the second part of all those confessionals is and maybe if i do this then it helps me later on right we've seen that jeremy yeah and they're just not that part's just cut out so mm-hmm. he kind of summarizes where he is and he hasn't mentioned val at all yep um stuff like that is in, like we, sure we know he has a kid but like from cambodia maybe mm-hmm. Remember when he won the game because he uh, showed that he's a new father at Final Tribal? Sure, that's not why he won, but it's like kind of how the episode showed it. Imagine if that was brought up in this season. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I I love Jeremy. Been shockingly good character amidst these people. Um, Yeah, it's always like, I guess, fun to visit and see what's happening in Jeremy land. (laughs) The duck line was so funny. Mm-hmm. I really, really enjoyed that. He had, he had good ones, like even like the 
like safety without power thing. Um, right. He's quick on the draw. I get why that was shown is like our episode title and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Just like if this is the winner edit, that sucks. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, straight feels, up. Like he feels like a merge boot to me. Yeah. Like he could, he could be, a, is he our first second merge boot? If he is the merge boot. Wait, what did you just say? Like the like, first person to be, if he's our merge boot, is he the first person to be the merge boot twice? Oh, wasn't he? Didn't Josh go before him in San Juan del Sur? Mm. No, I, no, I, I th- mm. think it was Jeremy, then Josh. Okay, I don't know. I, I don't could know. be wrong. I could be wrong. Uh, hope I'm not wrong. But I guess that brings us to who's next, Arch? Kim. Kim. Now I say, <laughs> a lovely moment about Kim was when Denise is playing her idols, she just looks at Denise with like the most admiration and like joy for Kim or Denise in that moment, even though like she could be voted out. She's like, wow, Denise, you really did like so great. And I'm so happy for you. Like three Denise votes in and it's amazing. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> oh, you voted her. <laughs> Kim. Kimberly. Also, I do want to make an exception, uh, a brief correction. Josh definitely did leave, was the merge boot. So Jeremy could not be that person. But, oh, man. Well, um, yeah, no, you're right. Like, Kim is such like a bizarre character in this season. Mm-hmm. Like, when Denise and Sandra are talking, and then they're like, cupcakes. We're talking cupcakes. And she's like, oh my god oh you're talking about cupcakes <laughs> oh wow no i think she was just she wanted a cupcake so bad yeah you're right and then but yeah she's a weird one uh she's like my utr quirky girl yeah um but this one i know isn't winning <laughs> the weird thing to me kim could do better than i th- expect like she yeah. could go kind of far she feels on like the Decal sinking ship, she feels like the one who could go the furthest. Yeah. <laughs> like, like for as bad as she looks, like she could go far. Mm-hmm. She doesn't seem to be like like why would they vote her at the merge? They clearly think she's terrible. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like is she like like clearly they didn't want to play with her at the start, right? Like, I'll mm-hmm. give her that credit. And I feel like she didn't do the best job in the entire world of like fixing that, but she's still there. And like, yeah, like, maybe. like we said, she's one of the two like big characters left per se. Yeah. Like Kim and Tony. But I think what almost may have happened is like Kim got in such a hole that she like lost her threat status. Yeah. And now like she's sort of in there, but not. Yeah. Like maybe everybody on the island has been like this girl only one because that like that theory of like one world being bad it's true guys she's terrible <laughs> like that could be what happened here um it, it is just weird that she's managed to like kind of recover entirely mm-hmm. and still like we still have like the weird stuff like sophie saying she's the dumbest person in the world for giving her the idol and sophie gave it right back and <laughs> Oh, and like amazing guts from her not to play her idol and like is that okay, hot take. Is that not the worst play this episode of Sandra? I don't Why know, would you that. not think it's you? Maybe Denise didn't maybe Denise told Kim it wasn't her. Yeah, maybe this whole thing was a facade. Because we know Denise and Kim are trying to be close. I ugh, I don't know. <laughs> to me, I was like, wow, it's brave to not play that idol. Uh like if Kim had left here, like oh my gosh, she'd be toast. <laughs> one vote Kim. 
Does anyone have her in any contention about the best player of all time? <laughs> like that's like um trophy losing, right? Like and I don't maybe maybe it is a good call. I don't know. That's why I wish we had more time on this episode on this uh tribe. Right. Like what did Kim know about what's going on? I mean, there's a whole Kim story there. Like Kim has to decide that she doesn't want to flip. Like she has an idol to not play. Yeah, there's like outside. multiple decision points here mm-hmm. from Kim, and we just don't see them. Mm-hmm. So, so she's not not winning. Not winning. I, I well, think it'll be a fun journey from here on out for Kim. You said you have <laughs> Wendell last, right? Oh yeah. I mean, Kim's actually way up there. Kim's above Amber now. <gasps> like, mm. the weird thing about kim is there's like bits and pieces of her just being relevant i guess yeah. so and i mean this the group of people who isn't winning just sort of is like a dryer Boy. of people that tumbles like sometimes adam's at the bottom sometimes he's at the top i don't know yeah no that's true like yeah like the zombie people are like mm-hmm. uh do i have to think about the world where kim wins Cause that'd right. be like kind of stupid if Kim Spradlin wins all winners and it's this like, mm-hmm. do I really have to consider that? Right. Like, I feel like I do, but I don't think like if they did that, like it's gotta be like Rob paid them off <laughs> to like, look, I actually played the best winning game. <laughs> That's it. That's the only explanation I can think of. Wow. Or she played, maybe she just plays bad in this episode, in this season and wins. And they like vote her to win because they're like, oh, you're Kim. People on the internet like you. Yeah, you made it to the end twice. Yeah. You were the real lion. Yeah, you were the real lion all along. Um, Other than that, I just don't see the actual world where she wins. So, Mm -hmm. I don't know. To me, I guess we'll move here to Tony. Maybe the most interesting case here, because I left this episode straight up before I saw the next time on. I go to my girlfriend. I'm like, okay, what an obvious distraction episode for Tony. Mm-hmm. Like the guy like pointlessly is thrown under the bus for like negligible reasons meant to be the decoy boot. But like, obviously you need a decoy boot that isn't Sandra so that this moment pops. Mm-hmm. And then I watch it again. And I'm like, oh, it's not the merch. Never mind. Right. Um, it could still be that. I don't want to be too cute and cut him yet, but damn, is it close. Right. Man this is hanging like, by a thread. For sure. It was such a fall for me. It's just like, this is the, this is chaotic Tony that doesn't win Survivor. Yeah. <laughs> like, and they really wanted to show that. And then it was also just like a very half-baked story. Like you have this captivating, like Sandra Denise thing going on. But like half of it is like, where's Tony? Mm-hmm. It's like I don't it was know. dropped. It was just like Tony's here all of a sudden, and Tony's like, I jumped out at the worst possible moment, and no one mentions it. Mm-hmm. You're like, is that the worst possible moment? Where it has no repercussions whatsoever? Are right. you sure about that? Like we didn't see Tony apologize or anything. We saw Tony pop out, and then everyone be like, oh, he's kind of weird. And then mm-hmm. the votes didn't line up that way at all. Yeah. It's hard to say, like, if next week he looks glowing again, I'll consider him again in those, like, this is the fake merge episode, I guess, but... Mm, I think he is going to look really good, Mm. but I don't know, like, I don't feel strong about it. I don't know. I have him, he's my number five. He's the one who Mm. got ahead of Yule, but uh, it doesn't feel good. 
it's just it's really writing on those first six episodes really building stuff together yeah i see what you mean like tony is so weird here where he has a narrative that other people don't have he mm-hmm. still has that but the whole all the themes at this point seem to be collapsing around him right unless the story is how because again all these people are going to be the jury so you can't even like like you have to consider maybe the story is how tony tried to keep everybody together all the threats failed to do so but still somehow ended up at the end and the story is i tried to keep the lines around and you didn't listen to me that's why you're all on the jury please vote for me <laughs> that is a possibility but other than that i don't see him assembling his threat alliance anymore i see him next like to me it almost requires necessitates next week him be like i wanted to keep the threats around game plan number two let's go yeah he needs to sort of recalculate yeah start a new trajectory like sandra leaving should be pretty big for him Mm -hmm. he needs that yeah there's just and it wasn't like complex for Tony in this episode. He, no, he like he just did what he did. Didn't get any rationale for it. Like we got more rationale for Tyson buying peanut butter than yep. anything Tony did. And then like because of that, he's getting targeted. Like Kim is pointing out how um, sort of chaotic he is. Uh, Sandra is just is saying he's going to flip on me at some point. I just know it. And it's just. It seems everything he undid. Yeah. Jeremy so. says he's so cool. And then he's like a split personality. Like it's hard to buy into that as your winner. Mm-hmm. Like granted, we did have like Ben, you're steamrolling people. No, I'm not. But, but he, he knew he at least. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh, I guess he didn't know. Never mind. In that moment, he didn't. But <laughs> <laughs> like we have had weird stuff like that before. Not pre-merge, though. All that stuff usually comes post-merge. And then, I don't know, like... Right. We talked early on how, I'll, when I were looking over these winners' edits before, not many of them had had pre-merge negativity. I mean, yeah. Tony, Tony was one of the exceptions, but... It's different kind of negativity. And it wasn't... The rest of his edit wasn't leading up to this sort of negativity. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. is like, Tony was negative, like, the entire pre-merge. Like, that's different than mm-hmm. one random negative episode um right like tony was our villain in kageon like straight up he mm-hmm. was the villain he won it's what a villain looks like if they won they're very justified mm-hmm. it's what it just it wasn't like i don't know yep. i love him he's definitely my favorite i hope he's our winner <laughs> i think it would be an awesome statement for survivor if tony won for the second time Mm, so not much, like this so much better for me anyway than like the person who doesn't care who goes home winning twice like that's a, sandra winning twice again is like an indictment against survivor strategy at its core like why mm. care i don't think sandra's strategy is as simple as like anyone but me necessarily but like the fact that it's branded that way and often she shows she doesn't really care who goes home it's always been like a sore spot for me to be honest like huh. yeah i don't I don't think it is as simple as the statement sort of suggests. I think that's just a nice way to put it. And it also makes it seem less threatening in itself. Yeah. It yeah we've seen her brand that this one too, right? Like, well, if we're, if we're transitioning to Sandra, I think this one, she really did just sort of, like she said early on, 
I'm just going to see what I can do. And I already won twice. I mean, I want to win again, but <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's yeah. So I think in this one she did. She pulled a JT. Yeah. Like, I don't know. And even then, like JT, at least you see, like I, I've always been a JT defender a little bit. Like, I see where he thought that would work. He just forgot his weapon. He didn't give it to the enemy. Yeah. Oh, I was talking JT and here's for villains. Oh, okay. <laughs> How sad is it that there's two different pulls of JTs? <laughs> but um yeah, I don't know. Like this was bad, right? Like, do you like is there the thing for me I left this episode being like, is there even a good logical reason to do this? Other than I like Denise, but even then couldn't you just work with Denise and Jeremy? I think she had trust in Denise to vote out Tony. And if that worked out, she would then be together with all of Kim, Denise, and Jeremy. Oh, yeah. But You're right. Denise even then, wasn't... like, you should know that, like, if I give you a thing, like, even if you buy something off, I know Americans don't have Kijiji. So, what? It's Craigslist, right? Like, if I'm buying, like, a <laughs> blender off you, it's off Craigslist, right? Sure. So I buy a blender off Joe. Like mm-hmm. I'm texting my friends being like, Hey, I'm going here to buy a blender office. He may kill me. <laughs> People are inherently really suspicious of negotiation and transactions. Okay. First, Kajiji sounds shady because you should have like community based, like safe spaces where you go to meet up and do online transactions. <laughs> So well, come Kijiji, on, Canada. Kijiji is Craigslist in Canada. I know, but like, don't you have like a place where you meet up and like? Yeah, you go meet them at like Tim Hortons. Yeah, and it's surveilled and it's safe. Yeah, but if they're like, sometimes they're like, meet me at my house. Well, don't do. That. And that's where you get the good deals because they don't want to go to Tim Hortons, and there's like a ten percent chance they murder you. Hmm. That's the same thing here. Like you're like, okay, well, I'm a little suspicious. I better meet them in broad daylight, Sandra in my opinion, just did the survivor equivalent of meet them at their own house or at night or something like, yeah, sure. Denise, like literally, like I remember being a child on the playground being like, I have this one Yu-Gi-Oh card. Let me trade you this blue eyes, white dragon for the best card or whatever. Um, I'll give you the one up front. The the second, second one after you give me the good one. And then I run away and scream. La, 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 la. Right, like no trustworthy deals ever started with give me one up front, and then afterwards, when I have a chance to take you out, I will give you the second. Uh, but I think it's plausible that Sandra was like, "Oh, well, Denise obviously just want to make sure that it works." Like, and I'll give her that. Sandra just really underestimated Denise. I think she was yeah. not expecting Denise at all to do this, like cutthroat move. Which, yeah, it looks obvious what we've been saying, but, like, from Sandra's perspective, she just really misjudged Denise and paid the price dearly. And to be honest, I mean, like, when you think about it, like, this is against type for Denise. Yeah. Who wanted to bring Malcolm to the end. I mean, yeah, it's like, would you expect Denise to do this? That's the thing, is, like, I'm a very paranoid and questionable, like, cynical human, and I might even trust Denise here. Mm-hmm. So like maybe I, that's a plus to Denise, right? Like, but I think I think the thing is your mind would stop at oh, just don't give my idol away, not who you're giving it to. Well, see, I almost think like I would think 
the difference is you never do it if one you're on different sides and two it opens you to huge vulnerability like i think the kelly kim play was brilliant right because she was able to get nora to vote with her side right if not for that you're really begging that dean doesn't go rogue and vote you that's true I mean, because he literally did it the next tribal, so. Right? Yeah, like, 100%. Like, that's the thing is, like, she, Kelly, to me, like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Sandra just learned from Kelly. <laughs> um, Again, Kelly, the greatest survivor player of all time. But, um, like, Sandra, to me, is a this is a poorly thought out plan from the onset. Like, this is bad in every way, mostly because she ends up voting Denise, which I think is inexcusable. Considering there's no backup plan. She completely, like, Sandra went from 0% chance of going home to at least 40% going home by giving her the idol and just hoping. Like, if she votes Jeremy, Jeremy goes home. I guess, except for the second idol. Like, that's the thing is, (laughs) correction. I think that if Sandra voted Jeremy, I leave this episode being like, oh, that sucks. Sandra made a risk that didn't pay off. I respect it. She did not expect Denise to have two idols and to use one of jeremy that's a <laughs> unrealistic expectation but i do think a realistic expectation is oh she might get the idea to vote me i better vote jeremy to split the votes just in case yeah but then she just splits the votes and everyone votes jeremy out because of yeah. the tie instead of her yeah oh but you're then, saying like if but so she did say vote one of the guys right like that's the thing yeah. is like what did sandra want did, i i guess theoretically she wanted tony gone mm-hmm. but she did say one of the guys Right. But yeah, even cause... then, like, I guess your case would be, okay, so Tony and Jeremy can no longer vote. That gives Jer- Sandra, Denise, and Kim the vote. In that revote, Sandra and Denise voting Tony wins the revote. No, because then Sandra would have just voted Tony on the first one. Like, No, no, no. But, like, if just if, if just an insurance policy, like, she agrees to her side, let's split the votes between uh, Denise and Jeremy just by throwing one on that okay. does give a it's a two one one right like or a three one one okay yeah oh uh, yeah okay i see what you're and saying then she flips on the revo like that's something to mm-hmm. me this is sandra didn't consider the votes at all there's a lot of different ways you could do this that wasn't four votes on denise i think here she really wanted for this to play like denise plays the idol she votes out a man we have me, her, and Kim as a majority to get rid of the other one. I don't have any blood on my hands, and I have at least one extra token. Yeah. I think just all of that, it's sort of just that thing of, like, the perfect plan, and sometimes your all your options fall away, and you don't think about it, and you get caught up in it. What if it works? And if it doesn't work, then... but That's the thing is, it is a great play if it works. Right. The problem is, there's more risk to it than reward and there is ways to mitigate the risk while still getting that theoretical reward literally voting anyone but denise does that i think when she mitigates the risk though it's not the same reward i guess i mean even follow kelly kim and like okay so they vote who was it it was jack they voted out right yeah so they voted jack she still voted dean she just got somebody else to do it Mm-hmm. Even if you vote that way and then be like, shady Kim, shady again, better opportunity. Like, even then, even if you're more shady coming out of it, you're still in the game. Mm. 
and with Denise and theoretically Jeremy. Like you still get more allies. I don't know. It's like it's weird because she it's went for almost... the jackpot instead. Jackpot or going home versus like the second prize, which is still a million dollars or whatever. Right. See, I think we're weirdly like almost flipping our normal positions on this, where you're like you're arguing for sort of a better place in the game, whereas I'm arguing for a better standing in the game. Yeah, which I'm usually placement doesn't <laughs> matter or win equity. I just think that part of that necessitates that your plans indicate you survive like that vote anyway but the- if you're gonna make a play from definitely living to potentially living it should be not on the like 50 percent. it should not be approaching 50 percent for leaving hmm. i guess my brain is just like if anybody ever like if gandhi gave me an idol <laughs> right like and i'm like gandhi's in the majority and i'm in the minority I love and respect Gandhi. I'm still like, wouldn't it be funny if I idled him out? Like, it's just the first thought that comes in your head, right? <laughs> like, yeah. hey, here's this thing that you can only use this one time. Please don't screw me. Like, I feel like it just gives off the used car salesman vibes. And you're just like, okay, bye. I think there's also an aspect of it where Sandra truly thought she was saving Denise. Like, if Denise yeah. did not have a second idol, she would be toast. And so, maybe Denise didn't think that. Yeah, I think Denise Denise was like, I have another idol, so this is just sort of this unnecessary move where I can take out Sandra and, hey, like, maybe think twice. But if, if it, from Sandra's perspective, if you are legitimately giving Denise her saving grace, Denise's idea is that I need you to stay so we can play together. Yeah. Like, if that's Denise's only idol, I don't think she she uses it against Sarah. Or it's not as likely. Double hot take. Did Denise make a really silly play not voting out Tony? Because yeah, then I, you get Sandra. Yeah, I mean, I think she should not have voted out Sandra here. I agree. I think <laughs> at the end of the day, I actually, like, I think a lot of people have been like, she wasted the idol, la la la. Which I think, bad take. Terrible idea. No, like, there's a real, like, if... Sandra is not silly, and her, that side is not silly. They split the vote. Like that's what happens. They get Jeremy on board to vote you, and then they vote put a vote on Jeremy. Mm-hmm. Denise doing this epic play fails miserably if Jeremy just goes home. Like she looks like a dummy. But I think so. I think a double idol play is smart. If it's the one idol play, I think voting out Sandra is smart. The double idol play in voting out Sandra to me is like the overcorrection that leaves you without any connection to the other side and yeah. no idols. Like, I actually from, think it's the worst case with those info with the, with all that info. Now, from our perspective, it just feels so chaotic. Like, I guess Denise is maybe OK because she theoretically has Jeremy and theoretically has Kim. Like, I think Kim is more closer to that side now than Tony. But I feel like it was like guarantee if you kept Sandra but then you would have to give that fire token and I don't think if you give that don't give that fire token I think things turn out bad but that's true like also how much of it was Sandra considering saving Denise versus wanting those tokens mm-hmm. that's the other thing I guess she had to weigh so if if she did get the read that Sandra didn't really care too much about her being in the game she just realized she had two tokens or whatever mm-hmm. maybe maybe that's a good read I don't know I do yeah, think that's like there's a lot of small things wrong with all sides here. Yeah, I don't know. And it's not even wrong. It's just there's so many facets to consider and what everyone was thinking in that moment. 
Mm-hmm. It's really like we've prattled on about it on our edit podcast for quite some time now, but I think others will probably do it the same sort of justice because it's really a fascinating sort of event that looks kind of obvious at the forefront because of the edit. But yeah, that's the thing is like we were being like, okay, well, Sanchez obviously gonna pity idol mm-hmm. uh and then it's gonna cause this four person advantage get in i don't think anyone expected this like right and honestly i think it's probably a good argument against limited time advantage it's like well maybe not i mean this paid off in a more interesting tribal than you would have got if santa mm-hmm. just had an idol i guess yeah true to me it's more of a uh hindrance on the game like sandra would not have probably done this if she had a regular idol. Yeah. And it's just a Denise boot. Maybe Sandra still goes, but well, not quite yeah. as chaotically. I, I don't know. I don't think Denise goes, but. Mm. Well, Denise probably idols. Right. In this exact universe. But in most universes like this, Denise goes home. I don't know. I don't know. I'm so. Con- I think overall I'm low on these limited time idols, but like. Hmm. I don't know. This one, I guess, did pay off how pretty sure would probably want. Yeah, but I think part of that is it's being, it was in Sandra's hands. I think a lot yeah. of people just keep it as a souvenir. Yeah. But I mean, back-to-back seasons, Kelly Kim did it, and then Sandra did it. Both of them in time idols. Oh, yeah, but Sandra saw Kelly do it, so. True. How much is that is a direct connection? <laughs> I can't believe Sandra realized that Kelly Kim is the greatest player of all time. And... She was the idol all along. Right? Yeah. Yeah, Island of the House is really just a bit Kelly. <laughs> Please, Kelly Kim, play again. That's all I have to say. Mm-hmm. Um, so that brings us to our predictions. Uh, we've been fairly clear, I feel like, about our right. winner contenders. But to make it clear, my number one, I believe, is Sophie. Number two, I have Tyson. Number three, I got Sarah. Number four, I got Tony. Number five, I have Yule. Mm-hmm. And for mine, swap those top two. Tyson's number one. Sophie's number two. Uh, Michelle hanging on at number three. And then nobody else is on the chart. But if you're curious, it's Sarah, Tony, and Yule. Yeah. Nope. That's pre- pretty much, we're pretty much considering the same people. Right. You're considering Michelle where I'm not. It's pretty much the exception there. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, my straggler on there would be Ben instead of Michelle. Right. Next week, who's leaving, Joe? It's Adam. What a perfect cap to this pre-merge. I think you might be right. I think Adam's not a bad bet. Um, as like literally the Bradley, like his exact role. We're like, hmm, he's super negative and weird. And doesn't seem to fit in with the majority. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I think there's a weird chance it's Tony. <laughs> yeah. Like I would have like Adam, Tony, and then everyone else. It's kind of a I think it could be Wendell somehow. I just don't like I did this last week, but I just think I can't see Sele going to Tribal Council. Yeah. It's not any of them. Like, to me, it's literally Adam. Michelle gets an idol from Extinction and idols at Wendell or mm-hmm. a vote steal or something like that. Or, yeah, like, who even leaves them? Like, does the call go? <laughs> I, I'm going to say no. Like, t- the call's not going. Uh, don't I- at me. If they do. I think it's possible. And if they do, I'm adding you. <gasps> oh, no. <laughs> Speaking of adding me, that's the end of our show. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at DannyKillsBees, um, as in murdering the uh, animal that saves our environment. You can follow Joe at jchapman9000. Uh, you can email us 
at thewinneredit at gmail.com. We read all your emails. I always appreciate reading them. Um, we have new episodes on Saturdays or Sundays. This week is going to be Saturday. Uh, we're on all my major podcast catchers. Seems like most of you listen to us on those. I always check the analytics. So thanks for subscribing. It really does mean a lot. It's super fun doing the show. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's like, a, I think a moderately good season of Survivor. It, yeah, good and bad. And the jury's still out. Yeah, like to me, either way, Survivor, Survivor is still pretty entertaining. But like, eh, this might be, on, might be not be as high as I'd like. I see a lot of people being like best season ever. And I really do. Honestly, that every time I see that, it makes me a little bit discouraged. Like maybe I'm wrong, but like no, maybe, I, I don't know. I think. I think it's a honestly kind of mediocre season that's bolstered by really good characters. Yeah, that I already care about. Mm-hmm. Like, I know my mom, I guess, is still listening here after the conclusion. But, like, my mom has literally been like, I have no idea what's happening or who these people are. <laughs> Please explain. <laughs> like, I have to do, like, catch up to my mom, my grandma. They don't know what's happening in this season. They don't get it. They don't remember these people other than <laughs> Boston Rob. So, like, I think they're I'm a mis- mixed bag of success. Mm-hmm. Farewell. See you later. <laughs>